Cinemodities, late night movies with Rob and Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddities where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, abnormal, or off-kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally these projects gel, most times they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp. I'm Zach. And I'm Rob. And this week on Cinemodities, we are starting a brand new series aptly titled the Unsolved Mysteries series, and I'm happy to announce that we have a special guest for this kickoff. Someone who is, uh, I think, an expert, uh, dare I say, he may clarify for us. We have Josh from Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. Josh, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And uh, per John Cosgrove and Terry Moore's cease and desist letter from their lawyer, I am not an expert. They, they specifically noted that in the cease and desist letter. Ooh, look at that. We have interesting topics right off the bat. Uh, did they give you a list of acceptable titles? <laughs> they did not, but uh, I, so I did a video on my YouTube channel where I compared the Unsolved Mysteries with Robert Stack to the Unsolved Mysteries with Dennis Farina, which, which uh, came on after the Robert Stack episodes. And it was a, there was a lot of comedy in it. It was kind of a tongue-in-cheek video. And in, uh, there's a portion in the video where I'm narrating, I'm like, now here to interview an, an unsolved mysteries expert. And then it's just me in silhouette. And I like alter my voice. And, you know, I'm, I'm basically like, you know, saying how the Robert Stack episodes were better and all that. And it was clearly a joke. It was clearly a send up of how unsolved mysteries, you know, sometimes would interview people in silhouette and alter their yeah. voice. So I was like kind of doing a parody of that. So, yeah, anyway, long story short, when... John and Terry, the executive producers for Unsolved Mysteries, found out about our podcast. They somehow found out about my YouTube channel as well and that video. And um, they they used that uh, language in their cease and desist letter. They're like, "He's you're claiming you're an expert and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, my God, you guys are such uh, buzzkills. <laughs> I'm sure we could think of some titles. Uh, you know, what's, what's kind of like right on the fence? Because expert might be too strong. Um, acquaintance? Would you say you're an Unsolved Mysteries acquaintance? Well, I have a, a tattoo of Robert Stack on my arm, so... Uh, <laughs> That's awesome! <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a pretty severe fanboy at this point, I would say. Okay, give me one second. I have to make a quick note of the information you've just given me uh, and my notes for a segment we're going to be talking about a little later on. Robert Stack tattoo. Okay, great. Okay, well, well, we don't have an expert then, but we have someone who knows about Unsolved Mysteries much more than I do, and I think that's really what I want to start. For our audience out there, for our listener, as Zach will say, um, every time we've had a guest, or every time Zach has brought me on the Star Wars podcast, the one time, I've always been the one who has the least amount of knowledge about what we're discussing. So yeah, Titanic, Titanic, I knew nothing about. Star Wars, I know nothing about. Now Unsolved Mysteries... Here's something we have to say. I have to state at the start of this whole slew of episodes about it. I had only ever seen one segment until maybe a month and a half ago. And it was the segment on human combustion, spontaneous combustion, which we are not talking about. But really, I, I barely ever saw Unsolved Mysteries. I, I kind of even barely knew about it. Um, but apparently it shaped your, your two's childhoods or something like that. Uh, is that fair to say? Yes, for me. 
my how I was introduced to Unsolved Mysteries is probably I know when Josh talks about it was um, wasn't it your grandmother Josh who introduced it to you? Yeah, it was my grandma from Massachusetts. She'd always come down to visit uh, the family, and that's the show she wanted to watch. Well, I had a weird thing because when I was younger, because uh, J- after listening to Josh's uh, episodes on Jesus Camp, Josh and I have, and I have a very similar like upbringing in that we both went to like Baptist Christian schools when we were younger. And unlike Josh's parents who kept him in that, my parents pulled me out after fourth grade and I was homeschooled for two years. And so I had this thing that used to go on where at one o'clock on Lifetime, yep. Unsolved Mysteries would air. Yep. And I would sit there because like my lunch hour, quote unquote, was from like 12 to one. And so my mother and I had to get back to homeschooling at one. I'd say, but, but, because like I'd catch the real, like the, ta- like the really beginning when they'd like introduce every segment. And I was like, no, no, I have to watch it. They're going to have this segment on. And that's how <laughs> I kind of became hooked in it because initially it was just a way for me to get out of like schooling. And then I, I'd watch it at night because it used to air at eight o'clock, I think. I'm pretty sure it used to air at eight o'clock um, back like in 2003, 2004. And then once I moved up to New York, that all disappeared because I was in school. I couldn't, I couldn't use that as an excuse anymore. And so basically, and plus by that time, around 2005, 2006, um, I think Lifetime lost the license, right, Josh? Or it kind of, uh, they, they walked away from it Lifetime or they stopped airing it as much as they once did. So I eventually um, had to cling to my box sets. And that's kind of how I, that's really the, the, the bane of my Unsolved Mysteries fandoms. Even though I grew up with the, uh, how would you call it, Josh? The traditional like series versus the segments, like the thematic box sets. So yeah, yeah. And so even though like, it's funny now, I look back and really like anytime I see like anything more like I'm, I'm so used to watching like six ghost segments in a row, six UFOs. So when I see the show like in its original state, I'm like, this is weird. Despite yeah. the fact that's how I initially grew up with it, like like everybody else did. Well, there was this like dry period from like. If you don't count the Freen episodes, which I don't, um, from like 2004 to like, uh, well, now really, um, where the only way you could watch Unsolved Mysteries, the original ones, was those DVD box sets. That's why they were so sought after. Now, um, thankfully, because of Film Rise and all that, am, uh, the uh, episodes, uh, the original episodes, Robert Stacker on Amazon Prime. And apparently they're on Hulu too. But yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good time to be an Unsolved Mysteries fan because we, uh, I mean, me and Mike started our podcast about the show way before it ever came to Amazon Prime. And we were like dreaming of a day that that they would put it up there for streaming. And, and everyone kind of figured they would because, I mean, this was a, this show like was in the top of its class ratings wise. And it was just one of those shows in the 90s that like, you'd be stupid to not stream it on some platform because of how popular it was. So it's, yeah, it's a really good time to be Unsolved Mysteries fan. But yeah, I I know what you're saying though, Zach, it's weird because for the longest time you're so used to seeing the, uh, like, you know, 10 bizarre murders in a row and, you know, you're not used to how they, cause you know, the show Unsolved Mysteries, there's like an art to how they segment their episodes, you know, like they, they'll have like a murder, then they'll have a, uh, paranormal then they'll have a lost love and it's supposed to send you on this emotional roller coaster to where you're like scared and then you're angry and then you're sad and then you're you know nostalgic whatever you know so like i don't know there, there was a method to their madness of how they set up their episodes 
Yeah, that's and that's definitely something that's lost on those box sets. It kind of created a, a weird thing going for. But those those box sets, man, I can still remember trying to track those down. Like in the, I think I got the first because the ghost segment one or segments was the first one I got. And it was like it's funny now. Like you can buy like a box set for like fifteen dollars. Like I remember when I got that, I had to like pay like I think like sixty seventy dollars for that. And like Strange Legends was always expensive. I remember, I think I had to spend ninety. I, Rob remembers Media Play, where we where he used to live. Now that's a defunct store chain. Yeah. <laughs> but like it was like it was like ninety dollars at like this store. And it was kind of like an Fye or a Sam Goody. Just for the Strange it's like, Legends. It like, it's, it's funny how. Yep. Yeah. And oh my god. He, it was ninety dollars because that was because uh, that was right. I think Strange Legends was in the second release of all the uh, box sets because I really didn't because I was only. 12 at the time so i really didn't care about bizarre uh, murders or miracles or psychics i cling to that box set oh man i, I started I, when i was re-watching it in preparation for today uh, one of the discs for the ghost stopped it's like now like kind of skips at one place oh, i think no. that's because i've watched it so many times it's just it's one of those things where it's just always been played so many times it's just kind of <laughs> worn out yeah, that's that's how that's how mine were too i mean well i had the ultimate i have the ultimate collection which is something i brag about a lot on my podcast but unsolved mysteries when they released their before they well i don't know if it was in combination with the individual categories or what the case was but they released the ultimate box set which had all uh like five categories in one like little cardboard chest which is actually pretty cool looking to sit on your shelf um, and it also comes with a bonus disc that has even more ghost segments and treasure segments in it so that was like really cool so being an owner of the Ultimate Collection, I'd always scoff at the individual DVD sets. I'd be like, ha, 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 fools. Who would buy those when you could buy the Ultimate Collection? Josh is uh, looking his nose down upon us. Yeah, I, I, yeah and I, mean, I still to this day do. You know, Mike's sitting here. Mike's my co-host is like, oh, I got to get one more. Then uh, my collection will be complete. And I'm like, ha, 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 ha. I don't, I don't blame you, sir. Because I really want that. Uh, I found that bonus or the, the 25th disc. on I, Someone's doing like a rip on I offer for like, I like think $25. And I'm like, oh, man, I can't do that. Uh, I want, it's, uh, but no, I, I, a lot of those, uh, it's worth noting that a lot of the treasure episodes are like in the first like 12 seasons. So if you want just those, they are available on Amazon listening out there so like i said yeah that's that's uh that's my that's our all our backgrounds with this um i i've been a fan since homeschooling josh took his fandom to the next letter um i think it's the ultimate um oh god like a badge of honor for a fandom where the creators of the show personally like persecute you for your fandom yeah, yeah. <laughs> yet, you, yet you still stick with it like i think that like everyone's like oh i'm the biggest fan of this i'm the biggest fan of that i think it has to give a testament to josh you know he might not be a a expert on unsolved mysteries legal or, or technic technically but <laughs> he's been attacked by the creators and is still a diehard for this yeah like, i think i think that's great i mean you know it does make me feel kind of cool that john cosgrove not only knows who i am but knows you know that our podcast exists because he you know he he dude i'm because like when I first got Don Devereaux on our show, that's the first guy who was actually on Unsolved Mysteries that I got to interview, which was so cool. I never thought that would happen. Um, when he, he, you know, when I was on the phone with him, I, obviously I edited that part out of the interview. But he's like, um, he's like, yeah, have you talked to them, those guys yet? And I'm like, who? And he's like, John and Terry. And I'm like, no. And he's like, well, I have their phone number in here somewhere if you want it. And I'm like, uh, 
yeah, that would be pretty cool. <laughs> the talk to the creators of the show. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. And he was, I think he was saying that he was going to put in a word for me, which ultimately ended up backfiring because he did tell them about our podcast. And they're like, oh, really? There's a podcast using our image and our music, you say? Let me take a little listen to this. Oh, this is copyright infringement. Why don't I contact my lawyer? And because I had mailed Don Devereaux a letter because he's like 85 years old and that's the only way to communicate with him, he had my address. So they were able to uh, send that letter out. But see, I wonder though, like, like say if you guys use the music or something, they have no way to get to you. You know what I mean? To send you that letter. So I wonder if like other people could get away with it. I don't know. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because, like, Rob, like, in all of our previous uh, discussions about movies and TV shows, Rob loves using a liberal amount of just the content. Oh, like, cool. when we discuss certain clips. And so, because like, we've been doing this, and I told Rob when he agreed to Unsolved Mysteries, I'm like, we're going to have to be extremely careful about what we use. As long as we do it, like, if we talk about Noah's Ark and we play the clip of, like, we say, oh, when the guy says he saw the pitch roof, like, as long as we play it right along that line, they can't stop you if you are doing it like in, in like reference to reviewing it, like discussing the topic. Like, but like if we say like, oh, let's play our unsolved mysteries jam, and we like play music with their theme song, like that they could come after. Yeah, you got to toe the line with it. It's all real, you know. It's 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 funky. And then John Cosgrove, who you know, he's apparently the daddy of all of it because you know they say John and Terry, but Terry Moyer, I feel like she's like a silent partner at this point now or something because she's never really she doesn't really uh do anything it's always him who's if you want to do anything unsolved mysteries related it's got to go through john cosgrove so he's like the 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 head honcho of uh that ip i guess but yeah i mean uh i and i haven't even talked about this on on our podcast yet but when i went i went to savannah georgia thursday for one of those unsolved mysteries soundtrack listening parties Ooh, yeah and i got to um so I went to one Savannah, Georgia, and I was talking to the owner of the record store, and I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, he's like, you came all the way to Jacksonville for this one? I was like, yeah. I was like, I saw they had one in St. Augustine, which is only like 45 minutes away, but no, I had to choose. I didn't know about that one until the day of, so I, I, of course I chose one that was two and a half, three hours away, and he's like, oh, well, you came to the right one because I'm actually the owner of TerraVision Records. And Tower Vision is that they're the company putting out the Unsolved Mystery soundtrack. And I was like, oh, holy crap, I got to interview you. So yeah. I, I interviewed him and I put that video out on my YouTube channel. Um, it's also in our uh, group or whatever for the our podcast or whatever. But um, yeah, I was talking to him and, and dude, yeah, he had a very similar story to mine. He's like, yeah, John sent me a cease and desist letter as well because when he was negotiating the contract to do the soundtrack, the Unsolved Mystery soundtrack, um, he was actually on the phone with John Cosgrove multiple times. And on the phone, he was like, yeah, I was going to bundle a Unsolved Mysteries t-shirt with the record. And on the phone, John said, yeah, that's fine. But then, like, he started doing it, and he got a cease and desist letter, and he called him back, and he's like, yo, you know, what's up with this? You you know, you said it, you agreed to it on the phone. And he's like, oh, it's not the contract. And it's like, yes. uh... <laughs> But you said he goes, yeah. If it's not in the contract, then it doesn't it doesn't count. And uh, okay, so don't so never trust this guy is the lesson we we're taking from this. <laughs> well, he the guy that I was talking to went on to say that he feels like 
since John hasn't created much in his life, and that's not to begrudge him because what he has created is amazing. Mm-hmm. But se- but since he hasn't created much in his life, he is like a a damn hawk with that property with unsolved mysteries. Like that is his baby, sure. and he doesn't want to see anybody tarnish it or anybody mess it up. You know, so I think the best example of that I think it was last year when they he did the AMA on Reddit. And like somebody's like, oh, like your show's inspired me so much. I'm currently wor- like working on unsolved mysteries project. And like they, like, they got like hundreds of questions. And the like the moment that was posted, they responded to like, oh, we'd love to know what project it is. And people actually started commenting, don't tell them; they'll read yeah. it for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's funny. That, yeah, that everyone knows. Yeah, oh, that's that's something that's worth, that's something I love about like different like fan productions. Is like I love it when the fandom becomes almost like tied into like the history of the the show because like you said like from like 2003 to like what 2016 was the dark ages for unsolved mysteries like yes Dennis Farina's thrown in there but I don't think anybody would call that noteworthy and then again it was you guys's podcast that really brought unsolved mysteries to the foreground again like you have to wonder in a way like obviously there would have been unsolved mysteries podcast if it wasn't for uncovering unexplained mysteries or what was originally called that we're not allowed to say it's it's like, and that's, and that's what it would have been though. I think it wasn't a way it's like, okay, there's interest here. Cause I'm pretty sure sh- were any of the other uh, unsolved mysteries podcast around by the time film rise announced they were doing the show. No, because the whole, the, the, the film rise when they brought the, um, the series back to, or when it brought it to Amazon prime, it, it gained, uh, it gave access to all these people who, either liked the show but couldn't watch it you know for whatever reason they didn't have any of the box sets so yeah it's like when that show came back to amazon prime it spawned all these podcasts because everyone you know because like perhaps it's you podcast which is another podcast about unsolved mysteries um they go in order of the amazon prime episodes so you can like follow along with them you know, so like with our podcast, we just choose random segments that we just want to talk about throughout the entire history of Unsolved Mysteries. And I think we're one of the only we're still like, I think, one of the only Unsolved Mysteries podcasts that does it that way, because mostly everybody else just follows along with Amazon Prime and they commentate on, you know, the episodes that were in, in you know, season one, episode 15 is, you know, what this episode is going to be about, you know. So, but yeah, it did spawn a lot of podcasts the film rise stuff we we really hit the ground running on that one like pretty much by the as soon as we put the first episode out we already had a few hundred listeners it was insane and i've never had any kind of attention like that in my life and so it's like the podcast was doing well and it's like i don't want to end this because you know i've always wanted listenership for whatever i did my music my youtube channel whatever and i finally have it with this one thing and now someone's trying to take it away and it was just such a stressful time dealing with that that guy and i get it you know i get where they're coming from and all that but it's just wrong i mean i get where they're coming from but they are wrong (laughs) pretty much and that's why uh when the star wars podcast had to uh, undergo a complete um redo i went crying to because i figured you were the you were the expert on on rebranding a podcast without any sort of notice, like getting like a phone call or, or a letter, and then within 24 hours being told, you have to compl- either delete the whole thing or start or rebrand it immediately. And it was like, quick, I got I, I to go to my expert. Well, your thing was um, 
your thing wasn't like a copyright thing. There, it, there was some kind of like drama going on with well, like, yeah. like the, the name got soiled somehow or something. Oh yeah, but still, it was the whole idea of like you had to like completely change everything overnight. Yeah, it was, yeah. Just, it was like the idea of like because I, I didn't know how you did. I'm like, okay, like. Um, but the RSS feed, like if you change the RSS feed, like what happens? Like, does this happen? This you're like, you're like, no, no, it'll be all right. Like you just change the name, you know, like, like all these servers, like the only thing you gotta be careful of is like, if any of the, the logos aren't changed, you might have to like, depending on like who has them still saved, like, or cached, you might have to go to them and ask them to delete it. Yeah. Yeah. That was a pain in the ass because the lawyer was like, uh, we're still seeing our, our copy, our, you know, our logo being infringed on these certain various websites. And I'm like, oh my God, dude, really? So I had to go to this one website that was like a podcast aggregator site. And yeah, they still had our, it was like a cached logo back when we were uncovering unsolved mysteries and it still had the thumbnail and everything. And it's like, oh my God, dude. And it was so hard to get in touch with them because like these I swear to God, I feel like these companies, these websites are run by some offshore, like, third world, like, not English is their 16th language, like, type situation. So it's like, how the fuck do you even get in touch with, you know, these people? But I would, somehow did. I was somehow able to get in touch with them. And after, like, you know, berating them multiple times, they finally changed our uh, thumbnail or they took our podcast off their aggregator site or something. But, yeah, God, it was such a pain. Well, you, you punch it to delete. All, you had to delete all your episodes and re-edit them. That was that's even the, yep. the worst thing too. Yep. And um, the crazy thing is, is like I was like, man, I'm not going to get those listens that I had before and all that. But I was wrong. I, I, they, dude. It's like even the people who had already listened, like the fan base was so supportive, it was insane. I re-uploaded all those episodes, and the plays were through the roof. It's like wow, these people like re- you really care. <laughs> you like me. <laughs> You really like me. Cause that was a because well, I'll, I'll get into my, what happened with the Allagash, um, with your with your episode on that back, like in the first like what like a dozen episodes you guys did, and um, but we'll get to that then because uh, that there's a story that I want to tie into what we'll discuss here. So hey, uh, what, I'm interested in hearing about because I've already forgotten it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I don't uh, even all, know it. Rob <laughs> doesn't know it. We have all three stages of understanding. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's do our first segment. Our it is Rob. Would you like to announce our first segment? I would. I would like to announce our first segment, but very briefly before I do that, I I think it is worth mentioning. We only briefly touched on it before. All of the segments we are talking about are from the the themed discs. Is that what you referred to them as? You would know what they're called better, right? Because there was the ultimate edition or collection there's the themed edition what do we what do we what do we got here zach we have the theme sets this was kind of our um our, our barrel of unsolved mysteries to choose from uh like i mentioned before i had i had only seen i think one segment of unsolved mysteries ep- ever uh but to prepare for these episodes i watched all of these discs i watched all 24 discs so at the end of that, I selected some I wanted to talk about. Zach selected some. Uh, there were some that overlapped, some that didn't. And that's going to be a common thing when we talk about these sections. Some are going to be one for me, one from Zach. And some of them, like the first one we're talking about, is going to be a dual selection. Zach and I both enjoyed it enough to want to talk about. And to start off the whole mess, we are discussing the aforementioned Noah's Ark segment. This is off of Legends, Strange Legends, Disc 2. 
It's the first segment on that disc. That's pretty cool. I got some other facts. I got some other facts. Zach is going to love this. This segment is 13 minutes and 25 seconds long. So let's see how long we can talk about something that's a little over 13 minutes. And also, this segment aired on April 29th, 1992 for the first time. I was dead then. I think Zach was dead then, too. I don't know if I can't speak for Josh, if he was alive or dead. But th those are all the facts I got about Noah's Ark. Was that a good introduction, Zach? Sure. As long as it's not about <laughs> voice acting, I'm happy. <laughs> Robert Stack. That, that's our only voice actor, I think. <laughs> How long did it take you to watch, go, like, go through all 24 of those discs? Quite a bit. Quite a bit of time. You didn't do uh, that. I, you didn't do that in like one day, did you? No, absolutely not. No, there were, there were uh, <laughs> many, many late night occurrences of well, what do I watch? Unsolved mysteries. Got to get through a few more segments. Uh, I started by trying to watch them straight through, like I had ghosts, and I was like, okay, I'll watch all ghosts. And you know, I got through maybe four segments, and I started to lose my mind. So then I started to just jump all over the place. Like I do a little bit of ghosts, a little bit of miracles, a little bit of this, that, the other thing. Um, and slowly but surely, I chipped away at it. I watched them all. Uh, the way that I, I summarize for our audience, and if our audience forgotten for Josh, I usually make a commentary for everything we watch in preparation for this show. Instead of recording a 36-hour commentary for Unsolved Mysteries, I decided to summarize every single segment with one sentence. That was the goal I put to myself. And so that's going to come up a little later on as well. I did sit through all of these. I watched them. I loved it. I guess I should say this. This is a, this is a great show. I love all of these types of shows that give us kind of weird, you know, mysterious circumstances. Um, and it was, it was just, I don't know. Uh, Zach might be able to test better, but I think real time, maybe a month. I, I plowed through all of them. Uh, I would even say less than that. My God, you got you guys with your research and your <laughs> preparation. I just don't even understand. Like I said, I, I loved it though. It, it definitely. Well, you know, I think we'll get into this when we get into certain topics of segments we discuss. But miracles was definitely the hardest to get yeah, through. I, I was gonna say I feel for you on that one, dude. When you had to go through that whole box set, like, oh my <laughs> yes. God. Yeah, uh, my most of my one line summaries are like. Someone died, but they came back to life. Oh, boy. And it's just hours on hours of just people. Are they dead? Are they dead? No. It's a miracle. And it's like, come on. How many times can we, can we tell the same story? And then I got to the Buffalo segment. But I'm getting ahead of myself. We're not talking about that. Well, see, the miracles, they were always couched in the episodes to, like, break up, you know, because in, in if that miracle had been in an actual episode, it would have broken up, like, two people being, like, murdered and... <laughs> You know, their it would have been the uh, the palate cleanser. It would have that lighter flavor to it. Right. So it had a purpose, you know, yes. in the actual context of the episode. But yeah, when they just boil them all down to one DVD, <laughs> yeah. it's pretty brutal. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But thankfully, not. we are not talking about miracles first. We're talking about strange legends. One of the, I think one of my more favorite themes that we have out of the six. And Noah's Ark. This was an episode that, uh, like I said, it's a dual selection. Both Zach and I wanted to talk about this one. It even came up bef bef before we even uh, got into it. So, Zach, I'm a little surprised that you chose this segment. Are you surprised that I chose it as well? Uh... Or is this is this just like one of the, because I'm naive and, and uninformed of Unsolved Mysteries, is this one of like the gold standard segments that people love? Is it one of the good ones? You know, I... I'm going to defer yeah. to Josh on that. Uh, um, not really. 
Um, no one really like when, when the top unsolved mystery segments comes up. I've never heard Noah's, and that's not a bad segment. I like the one guy in there who's a little overzealous for, for finding the ark. He's like, we're, we're gonna find it. We just need the evidence. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna get it. We're gonna get it. But no, um, it's a good segment. Yeah, solid. it's a, it's a okay, solid, yeah, okay. it's, it's solid segment. Um, I I really okay. I think Josh needs to know this about Rob. Rob is a scientific analytical mind. Rob looks at anything. His first thing is, how can I suck the fun out of this? Um, that, that's, <laughs> nice. I, he's one of those. And I mean that in the nicest way possible. But a lot of times, like that, I, I know there's certain things like I'll give him like, um, we're going to eventually discuss the Bible code episode. And I know that's going to be a solid like 40 minutes of him just talking about how stupid this is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, he would be right in that. <laughs> okay, Josh, you come well, back to the Bible Code. I, I actually now. think I have some ideas about the Bible Code that could improve it. So, uh-huh. okay, same same thing. Rob has to improve it or talk about why it's horrible. <laughs> um, but no, no, I'm surprised. I'm a little surprised. Um, I think there's gonna be a little bit of element of Rob just crapping on the religious aspect of it. Um, but at the same time, though, there are. I think Rob likes the segments where there's some sort of like real world grounding to it, like the fact that two people claim to have found the resting location of Noah's Ark. You have the one guy who claims that it's up in the uh, the mountains, in the snow, ice-covered mountains, and the other guy claims he found it kind of like on the uh, the plain, like the the plains or the plateau. Yeah, yeah. I think Rob likes Rob likes that. Um, why I like it, um, a lot of unsolved. Like Rob hates it. We discussed a 1990s Total Recall, and Rob had like this whole like scientific dissection of that film. And Rob's <laughs> like, Zach, what do you think of Total Recall? And I'm like, I love it. It's like a theme park ride. And that was my entire statement on the entire movie. It was like a <laughs> solid 10 minutes of him just chewing me out. Like, how could you not have a deeper opinion on this? I'm like, it's it's a roller coaster ride. What do you want me to say beyond that? <laughs> and, I, and that's kind of like what Unsolved Mysteries is to me. It's like I, I have a hard time being objective with things which um, are very much tied to nostalgia for me. Um, I, I know I try to pitch Rob on a couple of segments. And he's like, this is just garbage. And I'm like, no, it's perfect. <laughs> and like, I know Devil's Burger, we're going to discuss Devil's Backbone in another episode. Oh, God. Um, for the record, Josh, we're, just, we're doing three, not with us, but we're going to do three episodes in total on Unsolved Mysteries with four segments per episode. And um, I, I want to do Devil's Backbone. And Rob's just like crapping. Like, this is stupid. Like, like things happen. It's like, well, like, it's like, like what, Rob, what was your description about Devil's Backbone? It's like, not my, the my one, one line. Yeah, so. When I when I like had the list of all these titles printed out when I planned that I was going to do my one line summaries, I saw that there was one called Devil's Backbone, and I was like, oh, I've hiked that in Colorado before. It was it, it's haunted. I never knew. And then the segment starts, and they go Texas, and I was just I just got pissed. I like threw my remote, and I was like, well, fuck me, right? I don't get to hear anything about the Devil's Backbone. I know, and I just kind of didn't pay attention. For the remainder of the segment, and I'm surprised the first thing you didn't notice was how it opens up with the guy who looks like Raiden from Mortal Kombat going. Oh! So, so that's actually in my notes when I rewatched it. <laughs> the zoom in shot with the scream is pretty comical. <laughs> I yeah, that, love that segment. For the record, is, that might be my favorite segment. Really, yeah, favorite? I love it. Yeah, oh I, I really I rewatched it. Um, the, the last time I watched it previous to the other day was, um, it was part of the Halloween thing I did and I watched it and I, again, I don't want to discuss it too much now, but it's, um, I love the lighting and I, I, I love doing like Halloween props and like building things like that. And I watched that segment and like, I got to figure out how they lit the, uh, the monk in the Indian, the way they did, right. They're like radiating like white light, like in the dark with like a blue shadow. 
I am like, I'm like, I, I want to know how they did that so badly. Like, I think I know how they did it, but um, I don't know. Again, like how unsolved mysteries did it for like a few thousand dollars, like a few thousand dollars. Like, I don't know how they did it so convincingly. Um, but that's, that's, that's just an example of me. Just like, like most people would just, I know, I think you and Mike don't care for that segment. Yeah. We don't really care for it. And, and when you guys are like complaining about that, I'm like, ah, I'm like, I'm sitting there like in much like how Rob threw his, uh, his TV remote at the screen. I threw my phone across the room and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, why don't they appreciate this? It's like, it's, it's so weird. It's goofy. It's perfect well, because of those reasons. Okay. So I like the, like the native American guy and like the monk or whatever, like those are fine. But I don't know, man. When it got to the guy, like that segment, like I like the crazy guy that's like, hey, devil's backbone's haunted, and, and, and when I die, I, by golly, I'm going to be haunting it too. I laughed a lot when I heard I like that. that guy. I like that. But the whole like wolf spirit jumping into the one guy and... You know, he, I don't know. There just wasn't really that much meat on that for me. It was like, really? A wolf spirit jumped into you, and then you became possessed by a Native American, and then the, I don't, I don't know. Just a, it, I don't do. I can't explain. I honestly can't explain why I like certain segments and why I dislike others. I, I don't know why. That's uh, yes. Josh hit the nail on the head. Sometimes you, it's one of those things where it's like try to explain. And Rob's like, "Why do you like this?" And I'm like, "How do you explain why a joke is funny? It's just, <laughs> it, it just clicks." Right. Exactly. And why some jokes aren't funny to you. But everyone else thinks they're hilarious, you know. I think Unsolved Mysteries is like that. There's just, there's so much of it out there, and it's and we'll get into this too. Is that like certain segments, like and I know Josh discusses this a lot, but like there's the golden era of Unsolved Mysteries, like the first like what four four seasons or so, where like it has that nice like grainy texture to it. Robert Stack's voice is a little extra gravelly because they didn't have the best audio equipment that, that, that money could buy, and just oh, it, it has that nice '80s nostalgia feel to it it's it's hitting everything at the right point and then like you get into certain segments and it's really obvious in the box set because like it'll jump around from like old to new yeah. old to new and plus you can really if you want like a, a oh my lord cliff notes version of knowing what an old segment versus a new segment is just look at the font they use when they have somebody's name or like when they're, when they're somewhere because the font look just looks mm-hmm. looks so different um but no uh no going back to, uh, to noah's ark Noah's Ark, um, I really don't know why I liked it. I think it's a segment because it does have that sort of like, it's a, the segments that do the best for me, and I, I did this in my uh, comment, I did my own commentary for one episode for uh, Algash. And the one thing I really like is when Unsolved Mysteries does that like juxtaposition of like real world like interview or seeing like the real people like interacting. Then we cut to either a photo or a reenactment of what supposedly happened. And I think it's a very nice way of bridging or almost like reconciling what is factual versus what's supposed to happen, or maybe even quasi-fictional. And I, and I, I feel a lot of shows just don't do that any, like especially not now. They don't do that anymore. But even back then, there really was nothing quite like unsolved mysteries. I know there's imitators like, uh, oh yeah, America's Most Wanted. America's Most Wanted. Thank you. And like I know it had a lot of imitators though, but this is like this is like one of those segments where it's like. I know I, I don't think anybody here, considering I just listened to uh, Josh's Jesus Camp episode, I don't think any of us here are overly religious. We're not uh, banging the Bible on the pew. Yeah, uh-huh. you don't think my opinions have changed in a week, Zach? <laughs> no, not in the slightest. Uh, but no, but like I think this is a segment you can appreciate even if you don't have any sort of religious. I think if you don't have a religious attachment, you can appreciate this segment, uh, this 
segment because like i know for example if i tried talking about this with like a pastor or a preach like they'd be like what this is like not that it's blasphemous but like you can't talk about this like this was the exact interpretation from the bible and it's like well like i know the one guy says it in the um and like toward the end of the segment where he's like it says the 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 ark laid upon the mountains of ararat Mm -hmm. and it's like oh well that could be again think about how many times the bible's been interpreted over the years like think about that that's something that could change like and that's just something that i I love technicalities i love i love the idea of just being able to split hairs yeah i I like i like that guy when he's being interviewed because he, he does this little cheeky thing where he's like People always say the Ark went to rest on the mountain of uh, Mount Ararat or whatever because that's what the Bible says. Well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says mountains of Mount Ararat, and it's like, ooh, okay, excuse me. You just—I feel like he should have like dropped the mic after that and walked out or something. That was like his big like boom. Like I got some—I got a different interpretation, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's really how it was. He they they edited in very you know matter of factly. I love that as well. <laughs> I think the thing that really kind of stood out to me. And this is one of those segments I can remember. Again, it did resonate with me back like in my got the box set, like the story of like the guy saying that when he was like a little boy, he saw something. He like climbed on top of like the ice sheet, like peered in, and just saw this like I guess again the ark for lack of a better word. Mm, I don't know how to describe yeah. it without calling it that. And like they have like these like um, artist rendition of like what could have happened or what he's describing. And to me, like that's where unsolved mysteries thrive. Cause like obviously unsolved mysteries couldn't afford to sit there, build like a giant set like that or go to a real life location and like try to rebuild some part of that and recreate though. So like, and this goes, this is, we're also getting into this with Al Gash too, but like this artist conception of it, it's like that, like that one image. And I think it either zooms in or it pans out or it pans across the screen that does more to convey just the enormity of just what this kid saw at the time. That's the part I love about this. Just the idea that you can do so much with so little. Like today, nowadays, like if you're watching National Geographic Channel or uh, Smithsonian or History, they would have like this really crappy like CGI model yeah. of like a little boy actor like running on top of snow. Then we see him like run. He like slides down like peers into like a, it'd be like a sewer grate almost. He'd be like Papa. It would be so just low rent and it would just look so bad and it's not imaginative at all. And it's like, whatever. And then again, going back to the actual segment and then we like see like, Oh, this, somebody went back there again and claims they saw the arc. And it's just really, again, obviously they didn't have the uh, photographic technology that, that, that we do have now. And it's like, Oh, like somebody went up there and they couldn't like the, the, per- the researcher couldn't go further because the Turkish government restricts them to like certain parts of the, the mountain range. And so like the, the mountain guide had to go and do it himself. And so the mountain guide took a picture of this. And it's the most like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I'm I, probably if somebody redid this in HD. You probably could see the picture. Or if you saw the original photo in hand, maybe it'd be clearer. But like, you're looking at this, and it's just like a shadow. Like you have no idea what it is you're supposed to be looking at until unsolved mystery straws. Like, like Rob, you probably remember. You probably remember. <laughs> oh, uh, like, this is one of my notes. Like little what green I... lines they draw on it? Yeah, and they're so faint, and you can just kind of... It's just to give it enough definition, but I totally agree with Zach. Like, when, when they show this picture, and they, like, they believe this photo shows, you know, the the top of, of the arc or whatever, I'm just like, I don't see shit! Like, it made me think of Spaceballs when they're combing the desert, and they're like, we ain't found shit! Like, that picture shows me nothing. 
I mean, it's like wishful thinking at its best, you know. You yeah. look at you look at a snowy mountain range. You might as well be looking at clouds in the sky and picking out what you want to see in that too. I mean, it's the same thing. Exactly. Well put, Josh. But like, but I think it's also worth noting. This is goes back to unsolved mysteries as a whole too. Is that I know, um, like on uncovering unexplained mysteries, Josh and Mike constantly talk about like, oh, what would a modern day unsolved mysteries look like? And like how I already described the reenactment of like Noah's Ark in today's day and age, it's worth noting that like if this was like redone today, it would be like so much of it would be tongue in cheek, where it would be like half of it would be mocking this guy, saying like he's some dumb kid, like what would he know? Or it's like, whoa, isn't it crazy that somebody thought they saw an ark? It's just this whole idea that everything has to be like self-referential, it has to be meta. It has to be, like, pointing the finger at itself, like, acknowledging how crazy it sounds. But, like, maybe this was maybe not just exclusive to Unsolved Mysteries, maybe just uh, of the era it was in, the late 80s, early 90s, where it's so – it plays everything so straight. Yeah. Like, right. there's there's nothing – like, I, don't get me wrong. Some of the Unsolved mystery segments are tongue-in-cheek. Like, I think Josh has brought up where it's, like, like Robert Stack will give, like, a, at the end of a segment, give, like, well, who knows what might happen. Like, like, a little, like, wink to the audience. Yeah, like, the Comedy Store Ghost segment is, you know, that one's pretty tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. And, like, that's at least like, – like, you can count all the times Unsolved Mysteries is being silly in the entire series run on, like, one hand. Yeah. Like, it does not happen. And I think that's like if you ever if someone ever were to sit around like a boardroom table and say how do we do this and like while well, not being oh god uh, being slaves to the original how do we keep that same tone and why people love it I think like you could not have any like meta humor in unsolved mysteries because that would just it robs it of its essence yeah it takes away from from the material of the story and that's really what it's only about is here are the here are the facts of the story and here's the weirdness of it. To me, it's like Unsolved Mysteries came out at a time where, like, you know, older people were kind of their demographic, and that's the people that they were getting in at first, and they were fine with that. And, you know, it's kind of like the old people of when I was a kid. They're not, they're kind of different than the old people now. The old people when I was a kid, they didn't really want that. They, Nothing was ironic to them. They liked something because they liked it. There was no, nothing had to be ironic and, you know, like you were saying, Zach, all meta and like, you know, all that. It's like, no, you gave me a show where you're presenting me with kind of facts and you're telling it in an interesting and fascinating way. If you, you know, you illustrate your points the best you can. If all you can do is provide an artist rendition. Hey, cool. And, and that looks fine. And I don't know when we got to a point to where like all that stuff became just unacceptable, unacceptable to have an artist rendition. It must be some awful CGI with some stupid actor, you know, with some like, you know, I don't know, like I start to sound like an old man when I go off on this stuff. But like, I just like I, I think it, just, it was perfect just how it was. Like, for instance, Noah's Ark, to tie it back to that, the artist rendition of the Ark when the little kid saw it and then when he returned many many years later um and the arc was split in half mm -hmm. like that was a great that i love that picture that was a great that was a great like illustration it's like cool like that that was very effective and it wasn't corny yeah that, i agree i agree completely that, that illustration really did stand out to me and i think that's what it comes down to is like i think josh like, on top of the fact that not being meta 
there's nothing corny about this. Like it, this is like almost the equivalent of like fair and balanced. It's like they usually like I know Josh likes to bring the skeptic whistle, which I haven't heard enough of recently, so I'm a little disappointed, Josh. If I can make one complaint about your podcast, not enough skeptic whistle. Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> what are we skeptic about? Or was that just was that just a was that just like a, a sound cue? It's co- it's it's no it's it's an actual whistle I have in my drawer. It, it's something that's come to represent anytime me and Mike feel like somebody is trying to debunk something that we want to be true. I blow the whistle at them and call them. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah. So and, and like you know to to contradict myself, it is kind of tongue in cheek because it's like. Yeah, I realize that it's silly, um, you know, that I'm that I'm stating this one thing is real and this person on the show is trying to debunk it. But damn it, I want to believe. So I'm going to blow the skeptic whistle at him. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. I like that. I like that idea. <laughs> I, I, I like to think the skeptic whistle is the third member of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. Well, no, that would be the possum that lives in my uh, the wall between my bathroom and closet. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's... <laughs> I have to ask Josh, is there any, any resolution to that? I didn't want to bring it up. Dude, I don't know. I don't know if he's still in there. I know the fleas that he brought are very real. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I have fleas in my house now. No animals. Nobody except me lives here. Yet I have fleas. Hmm, wonder how that happened. It's an unsolved mystery! Oh, my God. <laughs> the amount of people who have said that to me. It's like, I, I knew it. <laughs> Okay, well, <laughs> that's the next. I was waiting for that. <laughs> I'm gonna say, Zach, and you might notice this on your Star Wars podcast. Like the more as you start getting more listeners, if you bring up any weird out in left field thing on your podcast, like some say something in your personal life, it becomes a fucking meme. I swear to God, like it, it, your fans will t- torment you with it for years to come. Because with Mike, it became his toe. Because Mike brought up his ingrown toenail on one episode and was very specific about talking about his toe. And so that everyone started asking about his toe from then on out. And for me, it's been the possum. <laughs> the possum, like I said, I'm surprised. Josh, has anyone ever made, like, sent you like a stuffed possum toy or something? I feel like with like, like a little mini Uncovering Unexplained Mystery shirt on it. Like, no, I, I we're, might- not, we're not the Perhaps It's You podcast. We don't get sent things. Okay, we might have, I, we might have to break that rule, Rob. We might have to send Josh a, a gift after being on here, like a little possum stuffed ammo with. Well, dude, I already, yeah, I, ever, I already have the best idea for our second T-shirt, if I get a, another T-shirt made for our podcast. It's going to be like an animated character of Mike, and he's going to have this big-ass, swollen, gross-looking toe. And then it's going <laughs> to have an animated character of me, and I'm going to have this like cartoon possum on my shoulder, like giving the thumbs up, and it'll have our logo. <laughs> Oh my lord! If you don't make that T-shirt, at least make that the uh, the podcast art. Yeah, the logo. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, sold, sold. Where, where do I sign up for that, Josh? Like, like where, how much of my money do you want to make that idea a reality? Because right now, like our logo, it looks great and I love it. But like our podcast has the most generic name. It almost sounds like it's the front for like a money laundering operation or something. <laughs> <laughs> So it's like that that thing. That if I brought the po- the possum and the toe and that what I just talked about, at least that would give a little bit more personality to our thumbnail. Because like right now we're just kind of, it's like, wh- is this a podcast or is there just some like secret like illegal shit going on and they're just using this as some kind of front? You know, it's like what? So what's the name of your business? Yeah, we're uh, uncovering unexplained mysteries. That's all you need to know about it. All right, Josh. Josh, you sold me. Who do I make the checkout to? 
How many zeros do you want, or do I just leave that part <laughs> blank? Um, you know, um, I, I have to find an animator first, I guess. But yeah, I'll, I'll, you'll be the first one I come to. Back to Noah's arc. So, Rob, I imagine you probably have a little bit more to say about this segment. Yeah, yeah. So th- this Noah's arc, I uh, I do love the idea. I want to touch back on why Zach thinks I liked it. Um, so he, he did mention, I am not a subscriber to any organized religion. I have my own Woo-hoo! opinions on, <laughs> I have my own opinions on religion, but they're kind of irrelevant here. The thing I really like about this segment is whether you, whether you believe in the Bible or not, you, you cannot deny the fact that the Ark story, not Noah's Ark, that was specific to the Bible, but the story of someone building a huge Ark to like survive a cataclysmic weather event and bring a lot of animals on board for the propagation of species, that's a that's a very common thing. I even think this segment touches on how often that story gets told in religious texts. I think that the search for an ark is completely justifiable. Maybe that it did exist, that some ark existed. So I really loved seeing a segment where there were people, like Josh said, we're gonna go get it! We just need the money and the funder. We're going to go get this son of a bitch. And it's like, if you're that passionate about wood from a, like a really long time ago, I got I got some respect for that. So I really like that uh, this segment for that kind of uh, perspective. Um, do I think you can, anyone can find the Ark? No. Like, because the story of the Ark as it goes in most religions is that the Ark works. Like, like they get, they survive the flood and the animals get off of it. There is no way that humanity would have just been like, okay, this is just going to stay here now. Like they would have torn it, they would have torn it apart and used it for materials because it was literally only built to survive the flood. I would imagine they were like, oh my God, we used all of our resources to build this ark. Now let's break it down and use it to build houses. So I never I don't, thought about it. That's a good point. I don't think that we can ever find the Ark, but I, am, I certainly think that it's a possibility that it existed, and I love that there are people who are passionate about finding it. That's really why I love this segment. Another reason it stood out to me that I have to mention, I was coming back from a hike once in Colorado at like 8,000 feet. We had a great kind of overview of like the start of the Rocky Mountains, and there was one kind of hill that looked like it was a boat overturned and overgrown, and so, of course, I got it in my head that that's exactly what it was. And, I, and then we had a whole conversation about whether or not that could be it. And that's what I think of the Ark. I think that's even what the second team of people uh, who, who think they found it, they say that they basically found it in the, in the mountains of Ararat, turned over uh, or capsized in some sense and grown over and that they were finding the metal fittings from the bottom of it. So I think that's a really cool idea. If a ship is left there for a long time, that land grows over it or or plants grow over it. So this segment was just hitting me left and right. I loved everything about it. Other they other have- than that, other than that, I, I think that uh, you know the ending is is exactly what I've, I expect for an unsolved mystery. Just who knows? Who knows if we'll find it? <laughs> the first guy, the 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 real excited hippie guy, who was like, "We go find it. We go find it. We we mm. need we like." Did they ever? Like one who thought that it was in the mountain. Did they ever like allow? I know they didn't in the episode, but like it, in in biblical theology, is it ever elaborated on like is the is the ark made from magic like Jesus wood or something? Like why <laughs> why do they think that the ark would still be intact thousands and thousands of years later? Yeah. What the hell lasts that long? Exactly. Besi- Besides metal fittings, which what which is what makes the second guy who claims he knows location 
makes his story more credible because it's like fair enough if they were to if this arc did exist and you were to find remnants of it today it would it would only be metal fittings they would the wood would not be intact like i'm exactly. i'm sorry it just exactly. wouldn't yeah the guy with the, the where the they think they it's in a glacier somewhere that glacier would have had to flash frozen like wood getting wet and then freezing just like you said it's not going to be intact it's going to be swollen and, and shredded and, and warped in a lot of places in all places i would say As, I, I don't know about the bible um i i really love the phrase magic jesus wood I, I I don't know if anything is purportedly built with magic Jesus wood, but we could only hope. <laughs> well, my understanding is they used, uh, Noah used the uh, unicorn's blood as like a protective coat on top of the wood, and that's how it survived. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. He used unicorn blood as primer before he applied paint with like the bitchin' flame and skulls and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good search. I, I think, like I said, I, I think that the story is so common that it's reasonable to believe that an ark was built, whether or not we can find it, that's what I'm skeptical about. The secondhand story that the guy heard from, like, you know, the other guy who actually saw the ark as as a kid, and that has got to be such like one of the more interesting stories to because re- if you really set aside your skepticism for a second and you entertain the thought of this kid on this mountain range in the snow and they find this this thing that they know is the Ark, and, and that it's this, like, legendary... Because all Christians have doubt. All Christians have doubt somewhere in their head, like, is all this shit made up, or is it real? <laughs> so to, like, actually see something that, like, proves your faith, and not only to see it, but to be in its presence, it's like, I- I'm not supposed to see this. This happened thousands of years ago. This is incredible. And, and for his dad to lift him up, Onto because it had like this stair set that descended from the arcs for his dad to lift him up onto the stair set and climb up this thing. Even climbing the arc must have felt like magic going through your body. Like I am on this biblical thing that I wasn't even sure existed. And then to like peer yeah. through the top and look down into the bottom and you actually see all the chambers where they kept the animals and all that. It'd be like this magical, crazy experience, you know, like. Absolutely. It, Reminds me of the um, uh, the chalice, the um, Holy Grail episode. Yeah, you know, which is which was a good one where the guy, the 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 cardinal, <laughs> I think it was the cardinal. He was, you know, he he picks up the piece of the Holy Grail. It's only this piece of wood in this bowl, and he's mm-hmm. like, when I when I first saw the piece of the Holy Grail, it was not very impressive, I must say. But when I held the Grail in my hand. It was like almost like I was in paradise already, where human words cannot describe how I felt when holding the piece of the grail. And I was like, what? that's how I imagine you would feel if this kid actually did scale this, you know, the actual yeah. dark thing. So I, that was kind of cool to put that thought or that story in your head, you know. Yeah, that that is a good point. Uh, that it is a great story. I was kind of coming at. I agree with everything you said, and I, I I was coming at it though from the non-religious aspect, like. I hope every time I go out on a hike that I find some weird structure that I could explore. Just that would make me excited. So that that yeah. even that aspect of even you know if they didn't know that it was the famous or the the legendary arc, just be like, what the hell is this? Let's go explore. That's just a rush for for humans, and that's a that's another great aspect of this episode, definitely. Yeah, I mean, especially because like everything that's that you want to explore in your say your local city, it's got you got to have permits and it's off limits and no trespassing and all that crap. So you can never yeah. explore anything. 
limitations, man. <laughs> Pisses me off. Dude, I would love to be an urban explorer. That would be so cool. I, I heard uh, the story about these urban explorers who actually broke into Neverland Ranch after Michael Jackson died. And they like, <laughs> they, like poked around and they were describing all the weird portraits he had of himself and just all the weird and elaborate stuff he had in there. I'm like, oh, that would be so cool. That would. Okay, Urban Explorer. That I might. That might be my next venture. <laughs> Fun fact: where Rob, where Rob used to live, and where I still live, um, there's an abandoned like uh, insane asylum. Remember that, Rob? Oh yeah. What was it called? Um, it's did it have H- a Hudson, Hudson River State uh, Facility. It's it's one of those generic names. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I we have a, that. We have a gig- I actually, I used to live like right now. I, I lived within like a stone's throw there when I first moved to New York. <laughs> I thought you were going to um, say you used to live in it. <laughs> I wish. Um, it, 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 and it's gigantic. I don't think Robin have ever talked about this, but um, it's it's huge. Like it's a huge campus, if you even call it that. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I think I've only ever heard about it. I don't think I've ever went there or anything. Yeah, it's right across from Marist College. If anybody knows Marist College? It's literally right. Like, if you go to Marist College, literally right across the street is an abandoned, insane asylum. That's awesome. I would love to like shoot like. So, like a music video in there or something it's it's the problem is that uh it's a lot of it's been taken apart not taken apart but like a lot of it just closes off and people have like ransacked it over the years um like yeah, every like yeah. six months every six months someone lights it on fire and they have to like uh <laughs> um I'm not, that's not a joke like literally every six months you'll read a story like oh someone lit it on fire again it's like well they're good and like a lot of the buildings were like uh put together like in the late 19th century so like it's a lot of these historic buildings that like were designed to last forever and people just keep burning them down every six months. Like, that's nice. Like, don't burn down the concrete buildings. Like, don't do that or the crappy ones. Burn down the nice buildings. Um, is Marish the one where all the, all the students keep getting hit by cars because they don't know when to cross the street? Or is that faster? I think it's both. <laughs> okay. And like, and, like, every time I talk to my parents who also live where Zach lives, they're just like, be careful crossing the street. College kids are dying every day up here. And I'm like, Jeez. what the fuck is going on? I'm like, what are they talking about? It's worth Apparently, very... I think they built an underpass maybe a year or two back to, yeah, to try and get the kids that. to not be in the street. <laughs> yeah, they did that. It's, it's a really nice underpass. Um. Well, you know, with these liberal snowflakes nowadays, they got to be have their damn handheld to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth noting that Vassar does not have that, though. Vassar, um, I, I work at a food pantry within walking distance of Vassar College. Um, they don't have that. The underpass? They do not have that. Ma- Marist okay. has it, but Vassar okay. doesn't. Okay, um, so so Marist so Marist has a drug tunnel, while <laughs> while Vassar still has kids dying from from vehicular. Do you really need blocks. to say okay. drug tunnel? I'm pretty sure all tunnels have some sort of drugs. In there. <laughs> <laughs> when you hear the word tunnel, tunnel you think of drugs. <laughs> There's never been sobriety that's happened under a tunnel before. <laughs> um, oh, that's good. <laughs> all right. Uh, okay, are we done with Noah's Ark? Can we move on to our next segment? I think that was a good. I have nothing else. I think that was a good soft start. The next segment is one that I'm not too familiar with, but it is intriguing nonetheless. Powers of Miss Katie. How can you not be too familiar with this one, Zach? Okay, I okay, we're gonna delve right into this one. New introduction is that I had never I I I got the um like I told everybody already I only had the first three, but I had the UFOs, Strange Legends, and Ghosts. That was like my bread and butter of unsolved mysteries. Never had the others. Until, like, I really started getting into Unsolved Mysteries again, like, a year, year and a half ago. 
And like a month before Film Rise announced, they were putting all the episodes on Amazon, um, or I guess uh, slowly stifling, rele- uh, stifling their release of them. I went out and got the three other box sets. And I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this. So I, I, I think Josh already said some of those miracles and psychic ones can really be dry at times. And because I think Miss Katie's on what disc four, it's like the end of disc four. And yeah. so at this point, I'm, I'm kind of like, unlike what Rob did, I just powered through all of these. <laughs> and I, I'm watching, I'm watching these psychics. And I'm like, oh my God, what is this? And it's the powers of Miss Katie, whatever. And I'm like, oh, there's this woman who can sometimes like uh, bleed, not bleed, like, like uh, tear out like glass. And she's a psychic. It's very like how Rob described the uh, miracle segments. Like, oh, somebody dies. Nope, they're not dead. And it's like, they're fine now. Um, a lot of the psychic episodes are like the dead zone with Christopher Walken, where somebody gets like hit by a car or is in an accident. And all of a sudden they're like, like the police just hire them to solve cases. And it plays out so by the numbers. And then I can still remember, I've only seen the segment twice. The initial time I watched it, and I watched it yesterday again. Only seen it twice ever. And I can still remember the first time I watched it. I, they're doing this stupid nonsense, like, well, I don't know, the police, the police, like, she helped the police find marijuana on a beach. Well, there's been marijuana washouts before. Isn't that miraculous? <laughs> and it's like, like don't get me wrong. But, she, but she said she smelled it. Yes, yeah, so she smelled, smelled the future. <laughs> she smelled the future, which has never been done before. I'm pretty sure that's the plot of the Six Terminator film. It's smelling the future. Um, and so I'm like, whatever. Like, like I'm not a skeptic, but this is stupid. And then out of, I picked up on it again yesterday. Out of nowhere, it takes a hard left turn into sweating gold tinfoilville. And I once again, like I, I'm, I don't know about you guys or about Rob. Like, after watching this segment yesterday, I got so much whiplash from that. I am wearing a neck brace right now. That's how much whiplash I got. Because that just, that turn it makes. Like, Robert Stack almost gave me, like, broke my neck in the process of this. I have to agree completely. I, I, I would even say that while that segment or that little bit is just giant whiplash, because they throw out the whole gold foil sweat thing out of nowhere almost... I would say that this, the pacing of this segment is pretty quick the whole way through, you know, because it's like it starts with she can predict the future. She can see ghosts. Uh, this uh, this she knew where this house was. Then she smelled marijuana and then she sweats gold foil and she cries diamonds and it just keeps going. It's like, you know, she can vomit crude oil. And it's like, <laughs> what is happening at this point? Uh, that's why I really wanted to talk about this segment, because it never slows down they just keep throwing nonsense at us and i absolutely love it (laughs) my my thoughts on this episode like my just my initial thoughts every time i think about it is just like gross out you know sweat is not necessarily like a thing that uh appeals to me so to sit here and 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 watch like this middle-aged woman it's a, a visual representation of her sweat on her body as she's peeling it off her like a fucking lizard. It was just like, yeah, this is disgusting. Like, I, I don't want to see this. It's a body horror for sure. <laughs> but I think the weird part of this is that, again, A, it's brought out of nowhere. And then there's like footage of it. Like, it's not like Unsolved Mysteries had this. Like, when they did that one segment, like, where like they had the exorcism. And, like, the woman's, like, in silhouette. It's, like, shot from, like, behind her. Like, that's one thing. I'm, like, fine, whatever. But, like, this is, like, whole video footage of, like, all this. And it's, like, what? Because like, they do not introduce it, like Rob said, until halfway into the segment. 
And it's like, what is going on here? It's like, how do you like think about it? whether it's real or not? Like, I don't care whether it's real or not. Like, like I genuinely don't. But it's like, how do you not start off with that? It's like, oh, this woman can smell marijuana in the future, like Rob described. Oh, she can help solve murders. Oh, and by the way, she sweats gold foil. It's well, like, like, what does that even mean? Like, how do you even like, imagine going up to somebody on the street and telling them, oh, you ever heard of the woman who sweats gold foil? It's like, well, how is that even physically possible? Like, there's so many questions and how you like that's its own segment. Well, think about it though. If they if they had led with the sweating gold foil, I mean, how do you? It's like this woman sweats gold foil, and and we're not done yet. Stay around, kids, because she can also smell future marijuana. <laughs> there would just be like this. Oh, yeah, you should probably have led with the marijuana thing. <laughs> Damn it! I knew we should have led with that. Ooh, that's good. I want. I really. I, I said that's one of those segments. Like I know, like on the commentaries. Like there's a lot. Of, like the producers are so like, uh, what's the word? Like, like they just take like shots at all these segments. Like this person was stupid. It's like it's like this is like they're really candid about their feelings on it. Like I just want to know, like, because it's also worth noting in this segment that like every time we see this woman, from like in her interview with Unsolved Mysteries to like all like the footage we see of her, like it, like it's even photographs. It's not just video footage. It's photographs. It's like she looks different because like Josh described like. I think this segment, Rob, do you know when this segment aired? October 31st, 1990. You look at this footage, and like Josh described, she's a middle-aged woman. But like you look at like the videos and photographs, she looks like she's like in her mid-20s, oldest. Yet in the Unsolved Mystery thing, she looks like she's like 40, 45. And like in a lot of the, the time dates on this stuff, like where it's like, oh, they'll show like, oh, her like 1989. And she looks like mm-hmm. she's like 30. And then like they're like, oh, 1989. She'll, I'm sorry, like 1987. And, like, she looks like she's, like, 40. And it's, like, 1986. She looks like she's, like, 21. And I'm, like, how'd this woman age? Does, like, gold help you, like, well, age really poorly? And then well, how you, like, regenerate it? That's the, let this be a lesson to you. Years of bullshitting ages you faster. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, oh, my Lord. Like, this is one of those segments, like, it's, I, I don't, again, like, I think Rob and I have a really weird outlook on some things. Um, like most people would say, look at this, like, oh, this woman's clearly lying because there's even a part in this where they get, um, like, I'm not sure, is it Unsolved Mysteries, like, producers or is it just like, like the two women who are like sitting there, like in a office chair? They're like, yeah, we went to the art store, we got yeah. some of this. Looks like identical to the video. It's like and, and I assumed so- it was in- interns or something if they had yeah, it back yeah, in the nineties. <laughs> And that's one of the few times where I think, like, how we just discussed with Noah's Ark, where, like, Unsolved Mysteries is so blatantly calling this BS, where it's, like, the magician's even, like, this is so easy, like, anybody, you just put the thing in your in the crook of your finger between, like, your ring finger and middle finger, and, like, just, like, put it next to your eye, and you, like, loosen your grip just slightly, and you can, you can do this, like, at a party. You don't need to yes. be too coordinated. Yeah. And it's just, like, again... I, like Josh said, there's a, there's a body horror element to this because like you're watching this psychic, and then like the body, because you don't know again if you're. It's one thing I think maybe like uh, this is where I disagree with Josh, where like you do have to put this earlier in the segment because this is such a weird concept. Like I don't know how Ripley's believe it or not did not just make this woman a permanent exhibit of her thing in of their like thing in Orlando. It's like just put this woman in a cage all day, just watch her. It's like, like I, I don't know. You, you can't just throw this at somebody. 
Like that's like the like imagine going on a first date with this woman. She's like, Oh, I smell marijuana in the future. You're like, oh wow, that must be nice. And it's like <laughs> and like then like after like having dinner and drinks, like you're walking her back to her, she's like, Oh, it's like you hold her hand, she's like, you're like, Oh, what's this? Like did you have like a a, like a gold coin or something or like a chocolate coin she's like no i do that on occasion it's like what that came out of my body <laughs> <laughs> doesn't that turn you on <laughs> so i can pay for our wedding with this and like, it's like like david cronenberg again this is where we need mike it's like david cronenberg's watching this and being like, like scribbling furiously he's like i need to get this down quick somebody get this woman on the line i have some questions for her God, like it's, it's a wonky ass segment. Like that's it why, like, when, when Rob suggested this, and even though like, I've only seen it that once, it's like instant memorability. It's like like there's certain segments like with the ghosts. Like there's like how many like, ghost segments. So it's like it's like oh, what, it's like how even like Josh. I think in Josh's video with the uh, the owner of Terrorvision Records, it's like oh, what's your favorite like ghost segment? And it's like oh, I really like Tallman, but there's also like what's the other one? I think Josh. It's like oh, the other one begins with the T. It's like Tatum. Oh. Like, a lot of these, like, ghost segments and, like, UFOs, like, just start to blend together. Yet, this is such a unique segment because it's just so out there. Like, in premise, just how it's just constructed. Yeah, and uh, that's really why it stood out to me, I think, for sure. It was definitely one of the highlights of the psychics uh, segments, for sure. I don't really, uh, I don't really like this one. I I usually skip this one. Back when I was watching the the psychics ones, I'd watch this one if I had to, if I, like, ran out of everything else. But I never really cared for this one. Okay. I think I think it is um it's hard to believe this one. Like you know, like like Zach said he doesn't really care if it's true or false. I'm I'm of that mindset for most of these, but this one I honestly find difficult to keep an open mind. Like with everything they throw at us, I'm like this is, this is tough to tough to to swallow, tough to believe honestly, I think. One of the things that they actually mentioned that stood out to me on the second viewing of this was that Robert Stack has a line where basically says that Katie has never tried to uh, succeed financially from her powers or anything like that. And so at that moment, I was like, is that true? Like, how does Unsolved Mysteries know this? Did she just tell it to them? And they were like, okay, we'll say that. So I I actually wanted to know what this lady was up to. It's kind of difficult to find stories about her online in recent times. Recent times meaning everything since this episode. I really couldn't find a lot of good stuff on what has she been doing. Uh, The Unsolved Mysteries wiki, which is like a good place to start, you know, even barely has a full description of this episode, I think. But one thing I did find, uh, deep, deep down in the Reddit Reddit rabbit hole, someone brought up this segment of Unsolved Mysteries on a forum discussing SIDIS, S-I-D-D-H-I-S, and this is, this is basically someone in the in Buddhist and Hindu religions that has attained complete enlightening and understanding and it leads to paranormal powers. So basically someone on this forum was saying that Katie is a sidis, that she has such enlightenment, she has paranormal abilities. Here we go. The whole point of Buddhism is to release material possessions. There's no way that if you become completely enlightened in Buddhism and release material possessions, your body starts producing diamonds. That's just baffling to me. I find that so contradictory. So I disagree that she's a sidis, but I felt that was interesting to mention that this is the only place I could find anybody talking about Katie anymore. Other other than this podcast. (laughs) 
Yeah, I don't think that's. I don't think that. I don't really think that's one of those fan favorites. You know, like say like the Tallman House or anything like that. You know, I think that's. I think that's one of those cases that that fans of Unsolved Mystery just kind of tolerate, but they're not really like, yeah, man, this is my okay. favorite episode. Okay, we're in a stride so far. We got the Noah's Ark, which is a pretty good one, and we got the Miss Katie, which is a which is not a not a favorite one. All right, I think that's all I had about Miss Katie. Wherever you are, Katie, keep sweating gold. Keep it up. And now, moving on to the probably the instigator to this whole podcast episode is Allagash Abductions. Ooh. This is this is the one that I pitched to Rob. I'm like Rob, I have the four hundred thousand segments on those DVDs. I'm like Rob. I have all these. Just keep in mind one segment. And I circled it in giant red Sharpie marker. Allagash Abductions. This was the so, one segment he told me to watch out for before I had seen any of it. Any Unsolved Mysteries, I think, before I even got into this. I, or maybe I watched like two ghost segments and Zach was like, watch out for this one. So uh, I kept it in mind, for sure. Alright, but I think, I, I don't think either of us can do this segment justice. So Josh, would you like to introduce Allagash Abductions? Well, this is this has been like one of my favorite segments of Unsolved Mysteries of all time. It's Mike's my co-host for uh, my podcast. It's his favorite episode as well. We did run into some rockiness with um, one of the guys coming forward at a, who was involved in the abductions, and he said it was all basically made up and all that. And that really just chafed my ass hardcore. But <laughs> the jury's still out on, you know, whether that guy is to be believed. I think it's, I believe it was Chuck Rack. Yeah, um, yeah. So basically it's these four guys who go into the Allagash Wilderness in upstate New York and um, they get abducted as hell. <laughs> <laughs> they get abducted as fuck. <laughs> but what makes this uh, segment hands down the best is the fact that all four of these guys were so artsy-fartsy. They were like all these art school kids. Even though they looked like, you know, Grizzly Adams back in the 70s, you know, they were all very, you know, rugged-looking dudes, but they were apparently just these really talented artists because they all go and, and draw these very amazingly animated um, depictions of what happened to them when when they were on the ship you know because they all went and got you know they went under hypnosis and uh yeah they were all able to produce these amazing sketches and unsolved mysteries you know they went in they took these sketches and they're they're showing you the sketches on screen while they're playing the tapes from these individual men's um hypnosis session so these men in this very monotone very hypnotized voice are just casually describing these very bizarre and disturbing events that went on on this ship with these beings and it's playing this very creepy music behind it so it, it was just all the ingredients were there for the perfect freak out and um yeah i mean to this day it gives me goosebumps when it when it cuts to that part you know i mean just all the elements were there it it really is that that stood out to me. Well, it stood out to me the first time I saw this segment, but when I rewatched it for for this recording, um, it it is beautifully done. Like it conveys that creepy emotion perfectly, and and that is just awesome. So I do I do really respect it in that in that light. And I know uh, I should mention uh, I listened to Zach's commentary to this segment, um, and I think that's one of the big reasons that he likes it as well. 
I won't even say I, I like this because it's just <laughs> it's 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 unnerving to like the eleventh degree for me. Like when jo- when Josh's podcast was originally uncovering unsolved mysteries, and him and Mike played the entire clip. I was I don't think, I don't know if I was alone at the time, but like I was more or less alone in that. I was working. Usually, when I listen to podcasts, I'm working on something. And like that came on, it was at night. Like it freaked me out. Like I, I know I'm listening to this, but it just paints such a vivid picture in my mind. And I can still remember in your episode, Josh, where after it stopped playing, you and Mike both go, ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's and that's the exact emotion because it's so like like this is like again, this is it's segments like this that convince me you could never remake Unsolved Mysteries. Like you, it, it's like. Outside, maybe going in a time machine and pulling it forward, like you could not, like you could sit in a laboratory, hire the best movie people, best TV people, and say, replicate this experience for me. And I don't think it would be possible because I, I, I think I think Rob will probably include clips of the segment right here, or even my commentary of it. And it's just like I have it like a freeze frame on my computer right now. Like just, and you have all these different. Um, like it's Josh described, like the different artwork of the guys, and like each one of them is distinct yet creepy in its own right. Mm-hmm. Like there's one part where you have like the the alien sitting there, and the two guys are there. And it's like this weird sort of like I don't even know. It's like a drawing, but it looks like the same like way. Like imagine printing something on like a Xerox dot matrix printer yes, of yeah. like the late '80s, early '90s. Like imagine trying to like do a portrait of someone or a photograph. Like, it's this really weird, like, sort of, like, uh, oh, God, like, dot, like, uh, ink thing. It's, it's, like, that's just one example. I'm describing it very poorly. But, like, it's just that. And you have, like, and you have, like, the close-up of it. And, and, and it's cut in between shots of, like, the photograph they have of them. Both of you are musicians. How would you describe this music? Please, enlighten it's like a, It's like a low, eerie drone. Like yeah. A, almost like yeah. a, saw, a sawtooth waveform just droning in the background, like. And, and again, too, you can't discount the tone of their voices. They're these, like, very hypnotized, monotone voices describing these awful events, you know. He's basically like, you know, it's like I'm in a waiting room. We're all completely naked. I don't want to yeah. be here. We're not supposed to be here. Um, now I can see what they're doing to Chuck, you know. They're putting something on his chest. You know, it's it's it looks like it's sucking, and then it shows the, the drawing of what he's referring to, and it's this creepy ass looking creature thing with this long needle coming out of its face, and it's and they do such a good job illustrating it, and it's like, oh my goodness, this is, you know, I I will go as far as to say I don't even think Unsolved Mysteries meant for that scene to be that good. I think it's one of those just lightning in a bottle scenes where they didn't even anticipate it was going to be that good. It just all, it just lined up in, you know, post-production and and it was just like, wow, this is a very this is a very awesome piece of TV right here that we just made. It's greater than the sum of its parts. If you have like a, like a how many like million dollars worth of budget, you can't do horror horror is horror at least in my uh, interpretation of it is because less is more. It's that it's the idea of just the cruder something is, 
the better it works. Like, it's not the same thing. Like, I, I, I nothing like horror movies don't scare me. So, if you want to make a horror movie that scares me, have a guy make a hundred dollar purchase with only fifty bucks in his bank account. That will scare me more than any sort of like ghost movie ever will. But like, you take something like this and you put this in a theater. Like, I will just like freak out. Like, it's like it's like nope, nope, get me out of here, nope. And I, I don't know though, because like, I, I, I don't know how people will respond to this because I think. If like I, I when I recorded my commentary for Rob, I did like on a Sunday morning, at, like ten in the morning, and I don't think you're getting the proper like ambiance. Like I think that's one thing about like when Unsolved Mysteries is trying to be creepy, you need a specific type of setting. Like you can't like be doing, like, you can't just put Unsolved Mysteries on the. Like, if you put this in the background while like like cleaning your kitchen, you're gonna lose some of the effect of it. Not entirely, but some of it though. But like again, like how I describe like what I do on Halloween. If I put this at Halloween at like eight thirty and it's dark and like all the kids have stopped trick or treating, like I will just freak. Like I'll just run away. If I'll just keep running and never stop. <laughs> I would love to interview like the, the the producer or the sound designer or the editor behind this. It's like I think there's I mean, like Josh. They're probably like we worked on it. It was a project. We did it. We moved on to the next thing. Josh, you know, is this ranked in the top Unsolved Mysteries episode amongst fans from what you've seen? You know, surprisingly, no, it's not. It's uh, me and Mike's favorite. And most Unsolved Mysteries fans, like the OG fans of the original series, they want the murders. They like the murders. They're all about the murders. And maybe some ghosts here and there, but they are all about the, the murder cases. Like, those are always in the top uh top favorite of the fans it's always the murder ones and maybe a ghost here and there maybe a tall man you know that's thrown in there but it's it's usually you know whatever case whatever specific murder case you know mm-hmm. is it is is near and dear to that person's heart you know okay it, it's weird how, how much the um like i haven't run into many fans of unsolved mysteries that are like super into the ufos like i am and i, I guess like mike is like well, like I those are my favorite segments. Like, but well, the, the legends. It's it's really a toss up. But the, those categories, by the way, I should know: strange legends, bizarre murders, um, mysterious UFOs, whatever. Uh, that was all made up categories for these box sets. Those categories yes. never were inherently existed on the show. It was mm-hmm. it was all under the umbrella of the unexplained. That whenever they're talking about UFO or the chair of death or whatever it may be, it was just the unexplained. My favorite category, you know, would be the unexplained because <laughs> that, that, that entails everything, you know. Yeah. But for most people, it's you know wanted, which was you know murders, basically mm-hmm. bizarre murders. They that they, they called it wanted on the show or missing persons. Those usually were both the murder ones, and those seem to be the more popular ones. God, I expound on shit way more than what you asked me to. I'm sorry. No, please. Like I said, we want that because we, I, I, obviously, Josh has his finger on the pulse of the Unsolved Mysteries fandom. I guess, much how Josh is the father of the Knights of Vader podcast and the grandfather of Cinematis, you can say he's almost like the father of the, I, what would you call it, the, the renaissance of the Unsolved Mysteries fandom? It's I, like. I don't know. I don't know if I'm acknowledged by these other people or if, if we are I, i'm not sure i mean if so that's cool i know that perhaps it's you girls they didn't even know our podcast existed before they started theirs i guess people alerted them to us but i think some of the other one uh, some of the other podcasts out there might have known about ours or something i, I don't know 
but even going back to the segment real quick, because I have it playing in the background right now. Like even as like the uh, the creepy part ends, and we go back to the four guys kind of sitting around the uh, the coffee table. Like how it ends with like the drawings, it fades out and then automatically doesn't fade back into the guys around the coffee table. It just cuts right back to them as if it's almost like an unsolved mission whoever the editor was it's almost like a dream sequence that whole part of the it's like mm-hmm. a dream within a segment because how it's just again use if you're the editor is conveying us to like wake up during this like from we transition from the yeah. drawings like as if we're being woken up at the hypnosis session along with them and i can there is a there's a mastery to this that I, again i don't like josh said i don't think it's appreciated as much as it should be I, I think again because even like prior to uh, Josh and Mike's episode, I don't think I really like. It was always a creepy segment. Like I found all the segments creepy, and that's one thing that's happened to me since listening to so much of their discussions. Is that I I know too much now how the sausage is made. So certain segments that would like kind of like freak me out. Plus, I've I've watched you so many times now. You kind of just get callous to them after a while. Zach, the the moment that you brought up that that fade <laughs> that where the producer like wants us to wake up that fade, that's when. I I start to dislike this segment. That's when it starts to lose it for me. Um, because, and this is something that I, I'm interested to get Josh's opinion on, is it just kind of accepted in in the Unsolved Mysteries? Uh, this might be a part of your skeptic whistle. Uh, the, the first time I saw this segment, my immediate reaction was that they were lying. Is, is that common from this segment in Unsolved Mysteries, or is this kind of one of those maybe not believed, but wanted to be believed segments. I think most of the UFO and ghost stuff is, um, well, maybe more so UFO. Nuts. I think the ghost stuff is probably easier for people to believe, but I think with the UFOs, I mean, I think they all fall into that category. I'm trying to think of a good, ex- okay, so like the Gulf Breeze UFO episode, everyone knows that's, that's, that's bunk. You know, that, that was completely okay. a fabrication. Um, I'm trying to think of another one where people are, Oh, um, I fuck. I think me and Mike debunked the um, Canadian UFO with Diane Lubinick, where um, uh, there, there's like video footage of this uh, UFO in her backyard, essentially, and um, mm-hmm. this guy named Guardian, you know, filmed it. So Guardian would have had to have had prior knowledge that the UFO was going to be there. So this okay. guy, you know, but then we find out that. You know, uh, Diane Lebanek told the crew of Unsolved Mysteries that she's not, um, she didn't know anything about UFOs before this happened. But mm-hmm. then they w- they went to her basement for some reason, and they find all these books on UFOs. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so it's like, okay. And, and come to find out, she appeared on not only Unsolved Mysteries, but on another show and another show. So it's like, okay, so she stands yeah. to gain from yep. this. And so I, you know, as far as the Allagash abductions, it's, uh, you know, there, there wasn't really a whole lot of hardcore skeptics out there. It's just kind of one of those things where it's up to you whether you think they're lying or not. But then this whole business comes out later on where Chuck Rack basically turns on the other yeah. three. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, they made, you know, it was all made up, you know, for fame and fortune. Mm-hmm. And they were wanting me to do stuff I didn't agree with. So now I'm coming out and, and you know, telling what what really happened and. They're all basically saying Chuck Rack is a drunk and he got pissed <laughs> off at okay. us and okay. how he wants to get back at us and yeah. So that's that's interesting because 
ever since I saw this for the first time, uh, well, the first time I watched it, I, I didn't do any research into it. I was unaware of one of the men coming forward and saying that it was false. Um, it's really the, the, the stuff in the segment that I think just makes it so blatantly obvious that they're lying. And it's become somewhat of a, of a thing. No one seems to agree with me. Like, I've shown this segment to some other people, and they're like, yeah, I don't see a problem with it. But here, here's what I want to pitch forward. Uh, we've already described the story to some extent, but briefly, four men go into the woods on a camping trip. They come back. Something weird happened to them, but they, they don't really pay any attention to it. A year later, the twins start having crazy dreams. They decide to go to a hypnotist or a psychoanalyst or something, and he puts them through separate hypnos hypnosis sessions where they uncover this story of their alien abductions. And at that moment where Zach said we fade out from the, from the recreation or the audio of the hypnosis sessions, we go into them sitting around the coffee table discussing what they have, the whole segment starts to focus on how they all retold the same story and how when one of them took a breath to pause, another one would be able to finish their sentences. So, so I literally cannot think about this any other way than four men went in the woods to practice a performance. A year later, they performed it. it that's not evidence that something happened to them. If, if these people can finish each other's sentences... It's evidence that, they, that they're putting on a play. And that is just so blatantly obvious to me. The only reason that makes this mysterious is that it was uncovered through hypnosis. And I think, I don't, I have no opinion on whether the hypno, hypnotist was involved on this or not. I would imagine if the hypnotist sees what he wants to see or hears what he wants to hear, he's going to ride with it. But I, I cannot get past this part of this segment. When people tell me, yeah, we, we did a, we did a, you know, we went through a science procedure or a medical procedure, and then we all started finishing each other's sentences. Isn't that crazy? No, it's not crazy. You practiced. I, I don't go see, an, I don't go see movies and think that they're real. I, I, I don't see this as any different from that. And, and like I said to, at the start of this conversation, no one else agrees with me. I have not yet to find one person who's like, yeah, that, it, that, that makes sense. Everybody I've shown this segment to is just like, no, it's weird. It's unexplainable. And I'm kind of baffled by this. So, so I want to formally get this out there. What do you guys think? Am, am, I, am I missing something that's, that, that's not making this look like a lie? Or, or am I just of this totally foundational skeptic point of view? Like, what do you see this as? Because I, I don't even know how to handle this anymore with how many people have disagreed with me. I threw a lot at them. <laughs> Zach, did you want to go first? I see it, in, or uh, how I can rationalize it. Him, it's like the Amityville horror. Um, did something happen in the house? People were murdered. Who knows? Did the family afterwards, who claimed to have lived there for I forget the story, was it twenty-eight days, whatever it was? Mm -hmm. They flee. They fled the house, and you have this this huge book, countless movies. Um, after a while, you either just you buy the premise. Okay. Or not. Like ever since I know Josh brought up, and like, like Josh already described, it was kind of like a kick in the pants when he found out that one of the guys claimed it was a farce. Mm -hmm. That much like uh, like how we discussed with like a lot of other things, it, I, I go for the roller coaster ride. I don't care if it's real or not. Like there's only there's only a handful of things in life that really uh, unnerve me that are realistic. Unsolved Mysteries isn't trying to convince you. It's yes. not. Yes. It's not trying. It's not a, a a trial. They're not trying to convince you whether something happened. You have to pass judgment on it. Absolutely. It's entertainment. Uh, whether you're entertained by horror or amusement or laughter, 
Um, that that's all it is at the end of the day, and that's how I judge it. I feel sometimes people um, get a little too hung up in the minutia of it. They're like, "Well, this is too real. This is too false." Um, even when Rob was talking about the segment, there I could hear the uh, the vacuum cleaner sound of him sucking the fun out of it. Uh, much like how they, much, much like how they, like the aliens were sucking the stuff out of the guy. That's what Rob was doing to this segment. He was. He this, had a little... this is like the one segment, or this is the one instance where I think this isn't sucking fun out of it. Because I agree with you, I'm along for the ride. At the end of the day, I, I am completely unfazed. My life is not changed whether or not these four men got their genitals touched by aliens. That is totally irrelevant to me. But it is just so obvious that they're lying. I cannot look past that fact. That's I, I think, but, why I'm but hung I, up on this. But I think the problem is that you're even looking at it under that lens. It's like, it's not like, the show again, maybe I'm looking at it the wrong way, but I'm looking at this again. I, I don't care whether it's real or not. These guys could be actors. They could have gone into the woods. Was I thoroughly creeped out by this? Yes. So mission accomplished. I don't, again, if it was real, that's incredibly spooky to me, and mm-hmm. I, I never, I never, I never would have wanted to go camping before this. I certainly don't afterwards, um, <laughs> especially doing Morse code to a giant light in the sky. I think that's a no-no when there's giant well, lights yeah, in the that sky. Was, that was their first mistake, <laughs> well, yeah, of course. Um, it's all, it's all fun games that you communicate Morse code with the giant light in the sky. Exactly, um, uh, SOS to humans could be a booty call to aliens. If this is exactly, real. I think there you go. You have this segment. Yeah, so see, they weren't. They they were asking for it. They weren't. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it was the way it was the way they were dressed out on that lake in that canoe. <laughs> yeah, that's you don't what, wear that flannel unless you want it. Yeah. <laughs> so what what do you think, Josh? You this is the first time we're really sitting down and talk together. Um, am I missing something about this segment? Uh, am I looking at it through the wrong lens? Like, what what do you think about this idea? Like, I cannot get past the point that if if someone TV or not tells me this. I, it's fake. I gotta uh, not believe it, and I gotta defend that I don't believe it. <laughs> well, you're definitely. If, if I wasn't so lazy to go and get up and grab my whistle, you'd definitely be a prime candidate to have a skeptic whistle blown at you right now. We can we can cut in the earlier one. <laughs> All right, good. No, I mean pretty much what Zach said. I mean that's that, you know you're you're along for the ride, and if it entertains you, then that's kind of all that matters to me. I believe in UFOs. I believe that there's life outside of our planet and our galaxy. And I, I even might go as far as to subscribe to some of the ancient alien theories. I mean, it just makes sense to me. Some of that shit is you couldn't have gotten without help from a a more um, advanced society. And that could, you know, aliens could have, you know, given us that, you know, whatever. With that, that's my lens that I'm going into this episode with. So when I see this episode and they tell me they got abducted and then this, that, and the other, it's within the realms of possibilities of things that can happen in my schema of life, which, sure, sure. you know, for you, maybe not so much. So you're going in it automatically going, okay, well, and, you know, to your point, one thing I will say these guys are all like art school graduates, so mm-hmm. they're they've already got got a flair for the dramatic. And when they talk, yes. even when they're interviewed, especially um, it's not the Wieners, it's not Chuck Rack, it's uh, Charlie Faults, I think his name was, uh, the the bald big guy or whatever. Yeah. He's he, when he's being interviewed, he's so it it is almost like he's putting on a performance. He's like he's like um, 
you know, if you told somebody 20 years ago that a satellite can beam a signal that gets descrambled and and, uh, and put on the set in your living room, and it's going to be called TV, you know, well, that's a reality check now, folks. And he's yeah. like, if people don't want to believe me, great. If they want to believe me, great. I know what I saw, blah, blah. It was a very, it felt very, I don't know. So, you know, I don't know. I want to believe that that happened to them because that's my lens, you know? So I think it all yes. depends. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think there's something we're, we're gathering the information on as we go through the episodes of this podcast is that uh, I, I'm consistently looking at things with the wrong lens, and I'm also unable to look at them with the correct lens, <laughs> at least according to Zach. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. No, but I, I think, uh, Josh, you bring up a good point. We do get at the end of this segment, and I, I think it's one of the only segments we're going to talk about in this whole series where we have someone look at the camera and says, I don't care if you believe this, but it happened. That's, we basically get that from one of the survivors or the one of the abductees. I think we get it a lot in the ghost segments, in the miracle segments. I think that comes up where there's a, you know, I don't care what you think my baby lived. And it's like, that's how the segment ends. This, this I don't think I can, I, I think of as objective as my previous point. But like, why, why would you ever say this? You're on a, you're on a television show. Like someone reached out to you to have your to- have your story told. I feel like it's just bad. Like you're just I don't know being rude or that's not the right word. It's just a negative thing to say. I don't care what anybody thinks. Like sh- don't say that. Even if you think that, I find that really weird for for people they interview to state. You know, it, it, it's like uh, of course you think it happened to you. You're telling us this whole story. Why does this need to be reiterated? And I think this this point come, came up to me because I binged so many unsolved mysteries in such a short amount of time that I saw it a lot, and it just started to grind on me. When it's like, one, wh- who would ever want to say that? And why did the unsolved mysteries people leave it in? It, it seems well, very well, irrelevant. Well, what would be interesting to know, which we don't know, but it'd be, it would be interesting to know how many appearances on other shows these guys made before doing unsolved mysteries, because we do know that they made appearances. I mean, they were on talk shows, daytime talk shows and all that okay. kind of stuff. So, you know, the reason if, if say they had already done a slew of talk shows and they had already gotten a bunch of flat from people, yeah. that, that, could, that could have been a reason why they, he went in with this very defensive posturing, you know, for the unsolved mystery segment. That's because, a great point. That's a great point. You know, this guy could have already gotten beat out because, you know, back when this happened to them, the whole UFO thing was in its infancy of being like generally kind of like this accepted kind of thing that people are seeing. It was like in the the 90s were huge for UFO sightings. I mean, it, the, the sightings are just not nearly what they were. The 90s was like UFOs were huge in the 90s. And yep. and. Because of the sightings, that's why you got shows like The X-Files and all that. Because it just piqued everyone's interest so much. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you also had a lot of people who were like, they'd get angry about it. You know, you'd have religious people who would get angry about it. Because if UFOs turned out to be a real thing, you know, visitors from outer space, it could de-legitify. I don't know if that's a word, but I'm just, I just made it one. It could, like, <laughs> de-legitify their whole religious beliefs as they know it. So you got, you had a lot of people out there screaming, like, this ain't real, it's fake, you're full of crap. Yeah. You know, okay. so he could have been, like, you know, a thousand people had already told him he's an idiot and he it didn't happen and blah, blah, blah. So he gets on Unsolved Mysteries and he's like, it happened. I don't care if you believe me. 
know, he's just at yeah. The end of Okay, some something more of where he's he's saying it because I, I took it kind of very just you know textually like you write those his sentence down and read it, but he could have certainly meant as in not just I don't care what you think it happened. He he probably meant it or could have meant it more as don't try and argue with this with me. I've given you the story. Don't ask me stupid detailed questions because I'm sure that's the type of flack he would get on a talk show or something like that. Like I'm just thinking of the skeptic going, but what about the blah 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 blah? And it's like. Uh, we had to uncover the, this through hypnosis. Don't talk to me anymore. Okay, that's a, okay. I like that answer. That's a that's a acceptable answer. Only acceptable. <laughs> that's the highest thing you can ever get for an answer. Okay. Are we setting <laughs> the book on Allagas? Is there anything else you'd like to say, Rob? I do have to make mention. I thought Zach might say uh, one of the last things Zach says in his commentary is that unsolved mysteries or this segment is in the men, women, and children universe because it talks about the Voyager. The uh, the oh, space. Oh yeah. Yeah. So Zach makes a very very quick thing because they they uh, they reference the Voyager, which is also referenced at the beginning and end of, and throughout, I believe, of Men, Women, and Children. So yes. we're we're in uh, officially Judy Greer universe. Judy Greer was probably one of the alien abductors. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Dean Norris's uncle Daddy's definitely one <laughs> of the abductors. <laughs> yes. Yep. That's the last thing I got for Alagash. Right. Poor Josh is like I, I can, much like how Rob jokes that my eyes glaze over. I can, I can hear Josh's right now through the computer. <laughs> no, I'm hanging in there. He's a trooper. Um, Josh is like this is gonna be like only like thirty minutes, right? And then like six hours later, he's like, make it end, <laughs> make it end. Um, though, podcast though, though I know it seems like I'm a very busy, important man, you'd be surprised how much free time I do actually have during the day, Zach. Don't, 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 don't take that veneer off you, Josh. You're making it sound like a common folk like one of us. <laughs> oh, well, I definitely don't want to do that. No. You're Mr. Uh, world-class DJ. You're running around, you're globetrotting, you're, uh, you're on uh, Italian islands DJing for the uh, Glamorati, so please, don't, don't, don't take that image away from me. This is, this is your side project. This is how you interact with the commoners through this unsolved mysteries nonsense. My face is on the two pence of a Taiwanese coin. I mean, not a lot of people know that. <laughs> That's how big and influential and expansive I am. There you go, folks. Moving on to our last Unsolved mystery segment. Rob, would you like to announce this one? This is another dual selection. Zach and I both liked it. General Wayne's Inn. General Wayne's Inn is a ghost story. It's from disc three of the ghosts. Now, I asked Zach this before, well, before we recorded, now that we have Josh here. Josh, can you give us a definitive answer? Is it General Wayne's, like possessive, like apostrophe S in, or is it just General Wayne in? Do you know? Uh, I, I was, I just personally went with um, the second one, the General Wayne in. The, the only reason this came up is because in the, in the title of the segment, on, on like the ghost disc, it's possessive. But in the segment, people just call it the General Wayne Inn. And that's where my question came from. I was like, yeah, which, one, I, which one's I, messed up? As you started saying that, I, I had to kind of think about it. Because I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. They do, they do do that. Yes. So um, that is probably due to the ghost, I would imagine. So as I said, this is a ghost story. Not only does the ghost blow on women's necks at the bar... And cause TV screen pictures to rotate, he adds an apostrophe to Unsolved Mysteries whenever it comes out. <laughs> so before we get into the ghost story, I, I have to, this was the, this was the thing I, uh, I made a note when Josh told us about his Robert Stack tattoo. Something that stands out to me in this particular segment 
is when it starts, Robert Stack, you know, does his, his good old walk towards the camera, speaking his, his intro. And when his vocals or his, his words end for the intro, he smiles. And it's the creepiest fucking smile. Like, it is, it is, it looks big, it looks forced. I don't think I've seen Robert Stack smile like that on any other segment. And it's weird. So my question for you, Josh, is, is this what you have tattooed on you? Do you have Robert Stack smiling with this huge smile? Um, no, he's doing his normal cheeky little kind of grin. Okay, okay, so he's doing the very classic Robert Stack stone face type of thing. Okay. Yeah, another fun fact about that that creepy smile you just brought up. A lot of people yeah. don't know. A lot of people don't know this, but Robert Stack actually died in the late '80s, and they had puppeteers um, controlling him for the entire duration of the show. And on that particular segment, the, the grip fell asleep and pulled the wire too hard, opening his mouth more than normal. Look at that! I'm so glad I got that info now. <laughs> yeah. No, but it is it is weird. Zach, did you pick up on this smile at all? Uh, I did not. I did not pick up on that. It it threw me for a loop when I rewatched General Wayne's in. I was like, "Oh my god, that's creepy." But, you know, if that's a very at the very end of the very quick intro and then we get into just this is probably, you know, one of the most even though the things that happens are a little strange. This is probably just a generic ghost haunting. There's an inn and it's haunted. There's a ghost. Some people see ghosts, some people don't, and just weird shit happens. This is just like what I think of as the classic ghost story. I love in the reenactment of the General Wayne Inn where, um, see, now you got in my head. Now I'm wanting to say, now I'm wanting to say the General Wayne's Inn. Uh, <laughs> it's in my head now. But I love in the reenactment where, um, you know, the, the ghost is blowing on the nape of the girl's neck, which I didn't even know what the fuck a nape was until I, like, watched this segment. Didn't know that was a part of the body, but apparently it is. Uh, and I love the, the reenactors, uh, they're, they're, like the actresses or whatever, their, their reactions. Like, they're like, hey! What's going on? And the one chick would be like, did you do that? And then one chick was like, ooh, I like that. Yes, yes. <laughs> and then the, then the last woman at the end of the bar goes, what the hell? <laughs> oh, I think they, they did it. That's what I really liked about that. They did it perfectly. It wasn't just like, you know, they could have done it so easily. Just like a camera pans, you know, directly parallel to the bar. And it's just people going, oh, oh, oh. And just really, you know, common... Uh, reactions but they do it up it's a real bar there's someone tending the bar they got all different types of women the the all different types of people like the men that get accused behind them some of them are like you know they have different reactions too it's great you know just that little attention to detail i loved absolutely and also i mean how can you not like just a ghost that like wants to blow air on your neck like right, that's what that's what dead dead ghosts want to do, right? If we believe that ghosts are apparitions of dead people, that's what that's all the only fun there is in the afterlife. That's all I'm gonna be doing. <laughs> yeah, haunting haunting the general Wayne's in and the devil's backbone, hundred <laughs> percent. That's what I do in my spare time right now. Zach's um, no, been blowing on the napes of girls' necks this whole time while we've been talking. He's just walking around with a portable <laughs> recorder. <laughs> That's what I'm doing right now. I'm in a bar right now. I'm not, I don't know how I've somehow been able to uh, manage that you guys hear any of it. Uh, but no, like, <laughs> like I, I was first going through this episode because Rob and I had a short list of a bunch of episodes we wanted to talk about. And um, as I'm watching it, because like General Wayne was on my list, and Rob's like, why do you, why do you want to talk about this? And it was like, I, I rewatched it because I know it's part of the Queen Mary episodes from like, like the first ghost segment they ever did. 
and I'm watching it, and there's some really great. Like, I, I, I don't think it's the scariest ghost episode, but there's like a very low key like humor throughout it. Like, I think this is one of the very few unsolved mystery segments that probably could work for today's audiences because there's so much like subtle like weird offbeat humor in it. Like yes. the idea of having the bar owner behind the bar. And he's like watching like this ghost is go down the line just and like how you guys already described all these like weird diverse reactions of the women. And he's just sitting there like with his arms full of like, yeah, it's like, it's like, it's like this is my bar. And he like, even like, says oh. it when they interview him. He's like, I, he's like, I found enjoyment watching the ghost fuck <laughs> with the women. And it's like, oh, OK, cool. <laughs> like that's like, like not to like bring this back to something like contemporary, but like, that sounds like almost like a, a Simpsons gag almost like Homer buys a bar that's haunted. Yeah. And, like, I, and then during like uh, um, happy hour, like the ghost just goes down the thing. Like that—that's almost like a treehouse of horror segment, almost. Yeah. Like and how just like campy it is. Yeah. And, and it's just like it's great because the guy, because obviously it's the original man, like in the reenactments or the the person, the owner, and like he's just like, he plays it so well. He's he's like amused by this. Yeah. And like you have a couple other parts of it where you have I don't know a bunch of different like weird things happening here or there, and then like the part that really sold me on this, and I'd forgotten about it was when they're all, like, in the restaurant, and they're watching the TV rotate, and you have yeah. this very, this very, like, in, um, I know Josh, you're not a huge movie person, but you have a very David Lynchian moment, where the, the image starts to just rotate clockwise, and the whole crowd just slowly starts to crane their neck sideways, and it's just, it's so weird, and the fact uh. that, like, it's like not weird like in a bad way but like it's weird that like imagine again i like to like and this is something that goes on in this podcast a lot where like rob laughs at me for this like i like to imagine like, i was on set that day and imagine you're like the segment director and you have like all these extras in this like dining room you're, like okay we're because there's no image on the tv because i think in the commentary they say they did that in post and like imagine telling people you have like four like what 25 30 uh actors you know like, okay imagine that the screen image just starts like slowly turning clockwise and like imagine coaching all these extras to do that all in unison they all have to slowly just crone crane their neck at the same speed when it comes across so flawlessly because as you're watching that segment it'd be very easy to be taken out of it because it's how silly it is. So it's like, oh, imagine if your TV image just rotated and yet it's played, it's it's silly, but it's not extremely like spot on silly. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, scene, that scene always made me cringe, honestly, when oh. they, they had all the actors turning their heads to the TV. I'm like, who... That doesn't make you see it easier. I guess I'm being like Rob right now, sucking the fun <laughs> out of it. I'm, I'm, honestly, I'm a, I'm a blend between Zach's mentality and Rob's mentality. I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. But like that scene really annoyed me because it's like that's like some vaudeville old timey joke, you know? Like, ah, the image is turning, so I'm turning my head too. See? Like, I just thought it was kind of goofy. I mean, yeah, you're right. It's very silly, but I would say it's almost like cringeworthy, though. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I did. I didn't like that scene. I didn't get cringeworthy, but I, I definitely found it comical, goofy, silly. Uh, but I found that with a lot of this segment, with the way it was shot and edited, uh, the one that uh, one another one that stood out to me is when they're talking about how like a, a soldier's ghost appeared in the basement, and so they oh. have like yeah, the camera guy follows some person down to the basement, and then the guy just goes, "That's where the ghost was," and points at the floor, and the camera just 
pans to an empty spot on the floor. <laughs> it's, and I just lost my mind laughing because I, I can only imagine that the camera person thought that the guy was taking him down there to show them a real ghost or something more than just a spot on the floor. <laughs> so it's just like deadpan, nothing on the floor where the guy's pointing. It was great. <laughs> that is funny. It's the dismembered head. That oh, was pretty okay. funny. He, or he doesn't oh, my God. He saw a dismembered head. He's like, you know, I walked by and I see this thing on the on the freezer and, and I leave. And then I had to do like a double take and go back in. It was a ghost head. <laughs> that that dismembered head has become like a really popular like it like screenshot that people have taken and like okay. posted. It's become like a, uh, you know, this generation, everything's ironic and stuff. So it's, it's become this joke because it's so it looks so bad, you know, yeah. and. And his mouth's like open, like almost, you know, like <laughs> yep. <laughs> I don't know. He's got, he's got this like really bad, like like shoe polish mustache. Does not look like a real mustache at all. And yeah, they, it's it's uh, <laughs> man. I forgot all these scenes were in this one particular segment. Like this is one of those segments where it's like if I was trying to turn someone on to unsolved mysteries. I would not show them the scene. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta ease people into this segment. Like you can't, you can't just bust this. You gotta be already like drank the Kool Aid of unsolved mysteries for you to be able to watch this one. And be like, okay, yeah, I'm on board with this. Like, you know, at the time, I'm sure it was like these are perfectly acceptable, uh, you know, uh, camera effects and special effects. But the ghost segments have not aged well as a result of like, you know the limitations of technology yes yes well i'm gonna i'm gonna push back on this and i think uh i i always a thing that we make on this podcast is that like i have a very specific taste or i have a very specific palette and what i like and i think rob's the only other person on the face of this earth that can appreciate a lot of things that i find like comical and humorous and entertaining like uh josh doesn't know but like i don't think he's listened to it. we had an episode about the movie men women and children and I felt Rob was like my like my soulmate for that for that movie because I figured there's only one person on the face of this earth that will appreciate this movie. And I even to the point where I asked Rob for his commentary so I could play that in simultaneously as I rewatched the movie. And I was so devastated when he did not find <laughs> like well, I just moments I'm like peeing myself laughing at, and he's just like aw, and like and it killed me. And I feel like I am so unique in my taste. And I'm not saying to be like pat myself on the head like I admit I'm a weirdo. And what I like and what I don't like, but like the General Wayne's in clip, like if I had never heard of this before, and I stumbled upon this as my first introduction on Unsolved Mysteries, I'd be like sold. I'm like I am just diving into the deep end with this one because it has everything I want from an Unsolved Mysteries like ghost segment. It has weird offbeat humor. The fact you have this like old barman just sitting there nodding is like women's like necks are blown on. That's such again, it's a very Lynchian moment. You have the this dismembered head like that's that's another one where it's like even though it's it's very haunted mansion esque like in its effect I think in the commentary again they describe it like a it's an in camera effect where you have someone's like head and you have the light just right and it's like used with a mirror like I love like even if I didn't know how that effect was done I'd still just love it even though I know like Josh everything is <laughs> his mouth is open as if he's giving a blowjob <laughs> like you have <laughs> humor like that and like ha 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 hardy har har. But it's like I. That was actually funny. 
<laughs> I, I undercut my entire point. Um, <laughs> but like, I think that's what it's because I think that is creepy because it's how it's again, how it's like people have to realize like if you're trying to do something spooky, how you're lighting something spooky is like nine tenths of the battle. And that's just one element. Even like there's even like one moment in this segment where you see like I think they say it's uh, I could be getting it screwed up, but like the Hessian soldier like on the stairwell, it's being mm-hmm. shot like upwards, and you have like it's just a silhouette. Like there is no outside of his uniform, there is no human distinguishable features about him. And you see like this mist behind him and the lights peering through the glass, and it's this very surreal light that you would never experience in a real world way. And it's like that's perfect. It's like again, like again, I'm like I love Halloween. I love just like uh, building Halloween creation stuff or like setting a mood. Like if I could just bottle this, like if I could somehow just like condense this, put it like in a, a box and take it out for October 31st, I'd be delighted. And like I think that's one of the things with unsolved mysteries that once again you could not like as much as Josh says, don't show someone in this if you want to get them hooked on unsolved mysteries. Like, I think. You have to show them this. Like, this is like the ultimate litmus test. Like, if they can appreciate this on some level, they will appreciate the show. It's kind of like, uh, if you can't handle me at my best, you don't, or no, you can't handle me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best, as cliche as that line is and archaic. I think that's what this segment is. Like, I think it's brilliance, but I can see that a lot of people will just go, <laughs> to it because of how corny it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's corniness is its brilliance because... Like Josh said, at the time, there really was nothing else like this. And I think even now, you have this really corny humor that even today is not even done properly. Like I, I call it like the Guardians of the Galaxy dilemma, where it's like, oh, look, we have a talking raccoon in a giant tree, man. Isn't this zany? Whoa. And it's like and Unsolved Mysteries never points the finger at itself and yeah. says, look how crazy and stupid this is. It's like, even you have, again, you have the blowjob decapitated head man, and it's played straight. Like, that's amazing to me. Yeah. Well, Zach, I hate to break it to you, but as the authority of all things Unsolved Mysteries, you're not allowed to disagree with anything I say. (laughs) Do I I get the skeptic whistle, at least, as a consolation prize? No, no, you're not as bad. You're not as bad as Rob was. You didn't commit (laughs) as foul as Rob, but... Ah, take that, Zach. I earned my whistle. I I think for this discussion, though, we, we we are missing something very important, okay? That, that I think puts this segment of Unsolved Mysteries apart from the rest. We get to see statistics. So for Josh, who might not know, and for uh, any of our audience, who I think I've mentioned a bunch of times now, I am a statistician. Uh, for my student that listens to this, they, I know they were sitting in my classroom when I had to teach them chi-squared tests of independence, which is exactly what Unsolved Mysteries hires someone to do. And they have a shot of it. They show us statistics on screen. When that happened, I put a star next to this one in my notes. Because I said to, I think I said to Zach, you better believe I want to talk about this one. Because they hired someone to do statistics for ghosts. Now, here's the thing. They are doing basic statistics. Like I said, doing chi-squared tests of independence. If you've ever taken a statistics class, you do that if you do categorical variables. I've taught it in every statistics class I've led. And... This is a test for are two things really different? And the, the, the work is there. They're showing, you know, good contingency tables. They got the yes and the no, and they got some counts in their cells. Here's my question for you guys. They don't say what they're counting. What they, the statistician or whoever they hire to do this, they don't say what they're counting. Just two different groups of people, 
That's all we know. There's two different groups somehow, and they have to respond yes or no. And, and she's using this to test if there's a difference between these two groups. So here's the only thing I can think of. You get uh, one group that you tell the General Wayne's in is haunted. And you, you go in, you let them go, and you, you ask them for, after a while that they're in there, you know, maybe some controlled environment, did you experience something paranormal? Have another group where you don't tell them it's haunted. Ask them if they experienced anything paranormal. If there's a difference in those groups, well, then, well, you see where that difference is. And if then the difference is in the, parano the, the psychics or the people who know it's haunted, then you got your placebo effect kind of thing. If there is no difference, that's pretty, that's pretty intriguing. The people who, who did and did not know it was haunted had the same amount of ghost sightings. What else? What else? Do you have any ideas? Like, what could you ask people yes or no about the General Wayne's Inn to get a sense of haunted or not? Like, that seems like a very limited experiment, just yes or no. Any thoughts? Josh, I'm just, just you don't <laughs> feel bad. I'm just as lost. Insert yeah, cricket sound lost. here. <laughs> no, I, I think that's, well, that's something to think about. You know, when, when, can we really prove or disprove ghosts from basic statistics? I think we could prove or disprove whether people believe in ghosts. I, I think that this is an incredibly difficult test to control. Um, Josh, right. did you hear the sucking noise that time as he sucked the fun out of the segment? <laughs> no, no, the segment sucked the fun out of the segment. Yeah. Because, because they show us statistics. <laughs> don't don't blame the victim, Rob. Don't blame the victim. <laughs> well, seeing, seeing as I have a very limited working knowledge of even what statistics means and what it is, and uh, yeah, it's kind of hard for me to uh, answer that question. Is it possible to prove or disprove the existence of ghosts using statistics? I mean, that deals with numbers and and shit like that. I, I don't, I don't, I, I guess I because of my knowledge isn't very great with the whole statistics topic. Um, I don't know how you could even begin to apply that to paranormal. Exactly. Stuff. At the, the next time I meet with my bosses, I'm going to ask for some grant money for some paranormal statistics investigations. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> well, make sure to let us know what happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see if the Department of Homeland Security wants to fund some paranormal research. <laughs> well, I, I only have one other thing to say about this segment. Uh, I think it's one other thing that made me laugh. I wanted to know if you guys picked up on it. One of the closing lines, it's not the last line of dialogue in this segment, uh, but one of the last few, someone says, I don't believe in ghosts, but I know they're here. That's a really weird thing to say, isn't it? I think it's like, that's like, I don't believe in Skype, but I'm using it. It's like, what? <laughs> I think that's just supposed to be like, this is just how haunted this place is. Oh, so, so maybe something more like, I didn't used to believe in ghosts, or I was skeptic, but this place makes me question it. No, I think it was, I think it's just a very, you know, a ve it's a way of saying this place is extremely haunted. I don't believe in ghosts, but this place is haunted. Like, that's just how haunted this place is, is okay. that it defies, okay. uh, it, you know, it, I, you know, any, any other place, I would say no, this, you know, I don't believe in ghosts, there's no, but this place is just so haunted that it, it it's it's the one loophole in my you know beliefs or it's the one exception i, I don't know i feel like that's kind of okay yeah yeah what they're going for okay I, 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 that would be like a uh i don't know like a a vegan going like um 
it's like a really good burger place. Like, I don't eat meat. I'm a vegan, but I'm going to eat here for lunch. Yes. That's okay. just how good their burger is or something. I like that. I like that comparison. Okay. Okay. I, I think I Josh appreciate it. pitched a multi-million dollar advertising deal for a burger chain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That would be hilarious if they if they did something like that. Oh my god, all the publicity that you would get like right away from vegans would be great. <laughs> right on. What do you think, Zach? You got any thoughts on that line? Uh, no, I think Josh sums it up pretty well. Like I said, I think it's just a, it, it's a way of, it's like, think about it. every, how we discuss foul gas, it's like every segment has to end with somebody, whoever yeah. is involved with the story has to prove that their segment is more real than the others. Or just, because again, like, again, a ghost story is a ghost story. Again, after a while, they all blur together. So how do you distinguish it? It's like you gotta do something clever. You gotta word something. Yeah, and and the other thing I should say is I'm completely aware of you know I'm not one of those people who thinks that like things are shot in order. Like I'm I'm totally aware that we have no idea when they interviewed this person. We have no idea you know if it was the question like we're ending the segment. What do you have to say? You know, uh, there's a lot more we don't know. So. I just love dissecting things as they are. I will probably have to start using that phrase probably later episodes of the podcast. Like, you know, I don't believe in Zach, but here I am talking to him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We did it. We got four segments down. Look at that. Yes, we did it. All right. All right, Rob. Do you want – Rob has his own list of unsolved mysteries. <laughs> yes. Yes. So uh, I'm just going to jump right off into this. Uh, when Zach pitched don't, this don't, to me, don't, don't you dare pull a Miss Kay to throw him into the deep water with this. This requires context. I was going to give context of why I wanted to do this. Oh, okay. You damn straight. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so when Zach first uh, pitched to me that he wanted to talk about unsolved mysteries, I was like, great. You know, even though I've, I've never really seen the show, I, I love that type of stuff. You know, I love that supernatural, paranormal, unexplained mysteries at the museum is the one that I'm, I was aware of before, you know, recording this and watching all of this unsolved mysteries. Um, and I think I only briefly mentioned it to Zach when we first pitched this idea. I was like, well, if we do unsolved mysteries, we're going to have to have some time to talk about our personal unsolved mysteries. Because everybody has that stuff in their life where, you know, something crazy happens and they don't know how to explain it. Whether or not it's truly supernatural or just something they don't understand, those moments stand out to you. And I have a plethora of those stories in my, in my arsenal. Uh, I pitched some to Zach. I pitched four to Zach. Honestly thinking he was going to only let me talk about one. But instead, Zach was like, let's do one at the end of each of our episodes. And now uh, he wants to start with the best one, with the most interesting one. Uh, we have to do the skinwalker? We can't do the sock one? No, the sock one's stupid. It can be explained <laughs> in two sentences. Okay, we'll get, uh, we'll get to that on a later segment, why Zach is wrong. Uh, but we're doing the skinwalker. So out of the four that I pitched, uh, they all had titles. And this is the most recent in, in kind of my chronological history. Uh, this is still something that is going on in my life, but this is also something that has not just been noticed by me. So here we go. Any questions? Any questions before I start the story? No. I'm good. All right. I, no, I, want, I want to give the uh, preface to this. Well, okay. I got. Okay. Because uh, Rob already said, he told me he wanted to talk about some unsolved mysteries nonsense that he had. And I like when he says that, like I've known Rob for over, for a decade now. Like again, like one of the stories is about a demon sock. I can explain it in two sentences. It's not unsolved mysteries. 
And I gave him all the Unsolved Mysteries episodes, and he gave me a four-page document outlining what he wanted to do with this. And out of those four pages, there's a paragraph, which is arguably one of the most interesting things I've read in recent memory. So you imagine me, I have no idea why I'm getting a four-page PDF file about this. I don't know why it can't be summed up in a couple words, but this is what I get. Quote, The Skinwalker. I have had two encounters with a human-looking figure in my apartment complex in Colorado. The first involved it coming closer to me while waving its arms in a way that made me believe it had no bones and was not actually human. The second involved me trying to physically engage with it. It moving at a significantly greater distance than I did in the same amount of time. And me getting close enough to it to realize that it looked entirely human, but did not have a left ear. End quote. That's it. <laughs> That's all he gave me. And I'm reading that is. This, like, and it's just, again, it's not the strangest thing, but compared to the nonsense about a sock that he found while doing laundry, and the fact <laughs> that he was, like, driving, like, intoxicated next to a bunch of cars that, like, were doing, like, 60 versus him doing 120, this is just one of those things I'm like, what the hell was this? And he tried <laughs> explaining it to me once, and I'm probably more confused after the explanation than I was before it. So, Rob, proceed. Tell okay. us the unsolved mystery of the Skinwalker. Okay, the Skinwalker. Here we go. So as is stated in what I gave Zach and what he knows about it, I live out here in Colorado. I got my apartment. My apartment has a backyard, like a personal backyard. Um, a backyard's probably not the right way to put it. More like a concrete slab with a fence around it. The running joke is that you can fit two camping chairs, but only one person. Uh, but anyway, my little <laughs> backyard, I'm out there pretty regularly, you know, uh, Colorado's a great place to be outdoors. Uh, but one thing I do in my backyard is I burn papers. So there's certain documents that I don't just like to throw out willy-nilly, and I don't uh, have a cross shredder, I don't want to go to work sometimes, so I burn papers. Here's the thing, you're not allowed to do this in your backyard. <laughs> you're not allowed to just have an open flame, like in a bowl. So I do this very late at night, because I don't want anyone to see me. And you know, it's not like I'm burning massive amounts of paper, this takes like, you know, three minutes or something. Beside the point of that burning, I'm out there doing that. I'm out there burning some of my papers one night, you know, it's got to be like 1 a.m. or something like that. And as I'm just watching the little fire, you know, down on the ground, I'm keeping an eye out above my fence to see if there's anybody coming around. Because uh, my apartment complex has, you know, neighborhood patrol-esque type of thing. I just don't want to have to deal with anyone going, what the hell are you doing, you know? So I keep an eye out. And this wasn't the first time I had done this. I've always done this late at night. No one's ever bothered me. I, and whenever I see someone, you know, it's just another person off in the distance. Uh, as I am scanning you know, the area around my fence in my apartment complex to see if anyone's keeping an eye on me or noticing the smell of smoke, uh, I see someone off in the distance. And I see them and I kind of freeze. You know, I don't, I don't like make any noise. I don't duck down real fast. You just, you see them and you freeze. Because if, if they hadn't seen me, the only way they're going to see me is if I make any motion. So I freeze and I'm like, oh shit. One, does this person see me? Two, you know, are they going to say anything? I immediately get an answer to the first question. This person starts walking towards me, like directly towards my backyard. And this is off in the distance from my apartment complex, maybe one building length down. So if, I, if we were to talk to each other, I would have had to scream at it. As soon as it starts walking towards me, that's when I begin to freak out. And I'm like, oh, God damn it. Someone saw what I'm doing. I'm going to have to fucking be like, you know, just leave me alone. I know how to control a fire. Like, I'm not going to burn the world down. But this isn't what happened. As I'm kind of freaking out and I, I put the, you know, with my water, I put the fire out. I look back up. This person is still walking towards me, but now they are waving their arm. They are waving their right arm 
and and I have my video on here, but I cannot do it. I cannot recreate the way his arm waved because I have an elbow joint. So I said in my little summary that this person waved at me and it made me think it didn't have bones. Imagine just a noodle connected to someone's arm socket, just flailing at the joint, at the elbow joint, going both ways. Uh, anyone listening to this can try it right now. Extend your elbow. Imagine if you could keep extending your elbow. No human can do it. As soon as I saw this, I fucking bolted into my apartment and I sat on the couch and I hoped that it wouldn't knock on my outside door. And I just hoped that this thing would not continue to engage me because what I saw was so scary to me that I didn't want to deal with it. And it didn't. I just went in, I sat in my apartment, and I was just like, oh, please, I hope nothing comes, no noise is made. And nothing ever did. I went to sleep, and I, I told the story to a bunch of people the next day, and everyone was like, oh, my God, that's crazy. So that's the first encounter. It was a late night. This thing waved its arm at me. It didn't have elbow joints. I don't think it had bones in its arm, and I ran away from it. Any questions on that first encounter? So many. So, so many. <laughs> okay, you ready for the second encounter? Yes. Okay, second encounter actually came about three months later. So this actually came, the first encounter was in 2017. Second encounter was earlier in 2018. And so uh, it was getting to the point where, you know, it was getting a little warm around in Colorado. I was able to get some, you know, plant growth back. And one of the plants I noticed in my backyard one day when I was out there, uh, it looked like poison ivy. And I was like, oh, fuck, how the hell did I get poison ivy in my backyard? And so while I'm trying to determine if this is poison ivy or not, and so this has to be at like 9.15 p.m., and I don't know if anyone in, that I'm talking to has ever lived out in the, in the western part of the United States, but it is still fairly light out at this time. Like, it's not pitch black. Like, this is just around the time when, like, the, the street lamps come on and stuff like that. And so as I'm trying to identify this plant, you know, not, not doing anything else other than really getting down on the ground and looking at this plant to figure out if it is poison ivy— when I stand back up, I just happen to look, you know, in the same direction I did when I was burning papers, and I see it again. I see this thing, and it's it's not like it's just the same figure, and I'm like, oh, it's waving its arm again. It was wearing the same clothes and everything. It looked identical. It triggered that memory in me. And this time, though, it was faced the opposite direction. Like, it wasn't looking towards the, the uh, general sense of my apartment. So I have the immediate thought, okay— it's fairly light out. I see this thing. It doesn't see me. I'm going to get its attention. I want to talk to it. I want to know what it is. Because one of the things I thought about in the month since the first encounter was, oh my God, what if this is an incredibly deformed person that only goes out at night and I ran away from it? Like, I would feel bad about that. So I'm like, let's put an end to this mystery. Let's figure out what the hell this thing is. But of course, I'm standing in my backyard. There is no way in hell I'm going to scream at a possible alien while I'm in my backyard. That's just a bad decision. That's like you see someone robbing you like you see someone robbing somebody and you scream at them from your car. It's like could I give them any more information on how to find me? So this is the deal. I say, okay, I get inside, I put my sandals on, and I just run out the front door. So the back door of my apartment, front door of my apartment, and I go just a straight line distance. I go straight line distance to get outside. I make the hook around my apartment because I'm right on the end. And when I get to a point, this could not be more than 10 seconds. When I get to a point where I should have seen it, it was not there. And I go, fuck, like I missed it. Like it walked away or something. Like, God damn it. 
as I turn around, it is on the opposite side of my apartment. The same thing. It is on the other edge. And this is where it gets a little tough because it involves my leasing office and the, and the laundry rooms, uh, which most of the people I tell this story, I actually get to tell them while I'm here. But basically, it moved double the length that I did in the same amount of time. That's what I was getting out of my thing. I had to go from backyard of my apartment to front yard. It went from backyard plus multiple feet, hundreds of, I don't know, I'm not good at distance by eye, but it went a, a larger length of length than I did in the same amount of time. And I don't know why I didn't see it. I don't know. There's really nowhere it could have gotten past me. Like if it went around my apartment building, it, it wouldn't have gotten there that quickly. So I have the, the thought again when I see this thing in a new position. Well, okay, I still want to get its attention. And at this point, I just start screaming. I scream, hey, hey, like it's a human. It's there. It, can, it should be able to hear me. So I start screaming, and it's nothing. I get nothing from it, no movement. So I continue to scream, and I continue to get closer to it. I'm like, hey, I'm like, I'm talking to you. And I get closer and closer to this thing. And when I get close enough to actually make out some details, this is where we get, it didn't have a left ear. It was just hair. It was just hair covering its left ear. Like, it's just completely flat. Like, the, the outline of where the hair line should be is there. There's just nothing. That's what I saw. And this is when I took a pause because I was at the point where I, was, I had been screaming at this thing for 15 seconds. It didn't respond to me. And when I got close enough to see it, I realized it was missing its ear. There wasn't even a hole. It was just flat skin. And I paused. I didn't know what to do at that point. I, I kind of backed up a little bit. And it walked away. It walked past the building that I was kind of, you know, at, at an edge of now. I sat there for a little bit, you know, maybe 30, 40 seconds thinking, of, well, what the fuck? This is just more evidence that this person is deformed and I'm like treating it poorly. Uh, and after that 30, 45 seconds, I'm like, I still want to go for it. Like, I need to know what this is. I need some resolution to see what this, this creature is. I go past the building and it's gone again. And I didn't see it. That was the second encounter. Any questions on the second encounter? <laughs> There's a third encounter? So there is no third encounter uh, for me, but this has, this, when I uh, actually like said something about this to someone telling this story in my apartment complex, other people overheard me and have told me similar stories of seeing this thing. No one's had anything about the left ear. But the arm-waving thing, there's actually a few people in my apartment complex that not only have seen it, but reported it to my leasing office. So I went to the leasing office, and they're like, we have no idea what these people are talking about. <laughs> and they were like, did you see it? And I was like, yeah. And they were like, did it hurt you? And I was like, no. And it goes, there's nothing we can do, really. We don't know if this is it, like, what's going on. That's where we stand. I have not seen it since. Uh, all the people I know have not seen it since. Um, and well, just we're hoping I'm hoping for another encounter. You know, next time, next time I see it, I won't go back into my apartment. I'm going to fucking jump over my backyard fence and just make a beeline for it and tackle it. Like I got to know what this is at this point. Uh, so where, where the title comes from, the two leading theories are, well, it's someone who's incredibly deformed and only comes out at night because of the, the, you know, elephant man like reasons. Uh, the other option is it's a skinwalker. It's, an, uh, it's, a, it's a supernatural being that has possessed the traits of a human to trick or lure other humans into its grasp. What do we think? 
I think this is probably a, the main reason why uh, the rest of the country isn't ready for legalized marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that answer. No, I think uh, I think this is this is why the country is ready. <laughs> Josh gave great, arguably the greatest answer to that. that Thank awesome. you, Josh. That was great. Yes. But no, uh, so so yeah, that's that is my Skinwalker story. Um, I'm actually really, I was really excited to find other people in my apartment complex had had seen this and and complain about it because uh, you know for the for two of the other four things that I'm going to discuss, there is just no corroboration whatsoever, and those are the ones where Zach's like, "Rob, you're stupid," but this one, this one is is truly an unsolved mystery. I this this sounds like the greatest segment of monsters and mysteries in America I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, that, that is pretty freaky. I mean, you know, it's just crazy that uh, you expect us to believe this, yet you can't believe that Jack Wiener got an anal probe in the Alps Gap Mountains. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, Josh is well, two for way, two. It was the way they delivered the anal probing story. But, but yes, uh, well, you know what I have to say to that, Josh? Uh, this that? happened to me. I don't give a fuck if you believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, can you play? Can, okay, considering you're the master of the uh, skeptic whistle, can you bl- play the skeptic whistle on somebody spewing gibberish or nonsense? How's that work? No, the, the whistle is the X Files music, Zach. <laughs> the, the whistle is um, it is is not to be used as a toy. It's a very serious um, instrument. Oh, that, okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> Can only be used at very specific times. All right, because I figured he was kind of bending the rules of this, considering how uh, stoic and scientific his mind is. I figured by him introducing this story into the uh, Cinemodities canon, that it kind of like bended the like much like the Skimwalker is some sort of like paranormal entity that's like contorting human skin. Um, I figured that's what the story did to the rules of the uh, Skeptic Whistle. (laughs) So thank you for keeping the. The norms of a universe intact. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, and it's all the stuff I just said. It's, it has nothing to do with the fact that I'm physically laying down on my bed right now. There's no chance in hell I'm going to get up and grab the whistle. <laughs> oh, thank you. Okay, good. It has good. nothing. It's that. That's not it, if that's what you're thinking. All right, I'll take that. Um, okay, but going back to the Skinwalker story, that, like I said, that, that sounds like a fantastic segment for something that like, this Destination America will put on TV. Yeah, um, yeah, it really is something I think that, you know, I don't have any... Any, like, hard evidence? I, I didn't mention it in the story, but, you know, the second encounter, when I saw it in the distance, and I was just immediately like, oh, I have to run out and go see it, I'm going to forever be kicking myself that I didn't just take a picture. I should have just taken a picture. Like, I'm so fucking stupid. I should have just taken a goddamn picture. And So that's why I'm hoping for a third. Why time. do you think nobody, why is that, I've always wondered, why is that never anybody's first, re, like, reaction, or, or at least second reaction? Honestly, for me, I think it was because I had told the story of the first encounter so many times. I had I had come to like care about it so much, or maybe be so intrigued by it that as soon as I got my second chance, I was like, I need it right from the source. Like I wanted to talk to this thing, but I shouldn't. I, I was greedy. I was greedy. I should have just taken a picture. <laughs> That's the way it is. I you know I, I I would say that I live and learn, but I'm probably gonna fuck it up again. <laughs> So you're telling me that you're concerned that this person is a modern-day elephant man, and you're, and you're uh, concerned that you couldn't meet it, your knee-jerk reaction now is to photograph as if it's some sort of quasi-Bigfoot. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yes. So, so if this, this is a person, not a, uh, a mythical creature, um, you're, you're going to be photographing it to the point where it will start screaming, I'm not a monster. 
Uh, if it gets to that point, I will probably offer it uh, a spot on our show, and I will give a public apology. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll take that. Well, I was just going to say, like, I guess the reason why the story doesn't shock me is, like, that's pretty much, like, uh, you know, that's pretty much how most people look in Florida. So it's like, you know, since it is the <laughs> South, like, yeah, you're describing, like, someone who lives on, like, the west side of Jacksonville right now, you know, oh, what's so shocking about that? Basically, the, the, the skimwalker is essentially a Florida cracker, in other words. Yeah, we were right. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah. If that's the case, am I still okay to take pictures of it? Like uh, the elephant I mean, man, it might not be okay to take pictures of. Well, you might, man. you might you might anger it because it won't know. It will be scared of the tech. You know, it won't know what the device is you're using. In it. <laughs> so they think it's going to steal its soul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, so man. I have a question about the leasing office. Um, yes. So there's no deformed person living in the building, or will they not be able to disclose that? I don't think that they would be able to disclose it. But like, um, but let's say there's an elephant man-esque person living there. Yes. And let's say you come in and say, I saw this horribly disfigured entity or figure walking around. Wouldn't they say we do have, like, without, obviously they can't say the person's name. Yes. But like, wouldn't they say, like, oh, we have a new resident in the facility that's a little bit, that could just, just be advised if you see them. Their, their physical appearance might be a little... Uh, disturbing to certain individuals. Yeah. Like that, if something, if somebody was like, obviously, if somebody's renting, they have to know. Unless this person did it through like some sort of like a uh, lawyer or an agent of some sort that could sit there do it on their behalf. Mm-hmm. Like if there was a disfigured person in the complex that legally lived there, I would imagine that if you reported seeing something that they would have to tell you, like, okay, we can't say anything specific, but here you go. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting good, that's point. A, yeah, it's a question. Uh, it reminds me of a situation that I actually went through at my. Uh, there's a in the south we have grocery stores called Publix. I, I know it's not like a universal best or, grocery store chain ever. Yeah, it it's really Publix, is. Publix with an X, right? Yeah. Yeah, I know Publix. Yeah, so I'm in Publix the other day, and I I'm like walking to get something. And I look up, and this person that I see in front of me. It it made it it just I was beside myself. Mm-hmm. I, I this employee, his face was so disfigured and his like left eye was gone and there wasn't there was like just this red socket. Oh, oh. And his face his face was like and it looked like his face got like it was just dis- deformed and like it looked like there was staples in his face. And it was genuinely disturbing. And yes. it was it, it it fucked up my shopping experience having to see that. So yeah, like my question is too is like shouldn't there be some kind co- doesn't the the company or or office or whatever have some kind of obligation or some you know, because you I get the like the equal opportunity employment and all that, but I mean, dude, if a little kid saw this guy, I mean, they would be, it would ruin their whole night. They'd have nightmares, you know, like. I, I think that's, I've heard of stories like that happening where in, in a public place, there is someone with some disfigurement and, and the little kid just absolutely freaks out. And, and, and you know, little kids I hear about all the time, but of course it's going to happen to adults too. You know, whether or not, how, however, you know, uh, understanding or accepting you are of these things, it could just like you said, Josh, you know, you, you stand up from looking at something else. It, it, you just see it instantaneously. You can't always control that, that knee jerk reaction. Yeah. And I mean, like, 
I don't know, like maybe by having these people out in the workforce, it destigmatizes it, you know, and makes it to where like, oh, these aren't people that should be in some basement or circus. Like, I get that, but man, like as an adult, I, I was able to handle it. But man, if I saw it as a kid, that would like traumatize me, you know? So it's like, I don't know. It's kind of a hard thing you know like yeah yeah it is with those people you know it is interesting i'm gonna have to look into that that'll be the next step of the skinwalker story if the leasing office can legally tell us anything about this (laughs) but that is an interesting point what do we do about it yep good stuff skinwalker card didn't you also you mentioned to me too at one point that people have seen sightings of this thing around the fort collins area that isn't just exclusive to your apartment building Oh yes. Uh, so uh, I didn't. I I stayed in the apartment complex because that's what I think is the most reasonable thing. Um, that's where you get the sightings with the the no bones in the arm. The other stuff that I've heard around Fort Collins uh, is just strange occurrences of of you know, people things that look like people, which could be a skinwalker, um, but none of them really tie back into my skinwalker. But yeah, I think you know there's. There's always, because we live right on the edge of the Rocky Mountains, there's always sightings of, of bears. And I, I think back to what Josh said, when you get those stoned college kids going out into the woods and they see a bear, they could totally be like, Bigfoot, skinwalker, gotta report it, you know, that type of stuff. Have you gone to any sort of, like, police official and just been like, I saw this weird thing walking around? Like, is there, like, again, like, could it be a deformed homeless man? I think you've, you've suggested po- that before. Police official, no. Uh, what what I, who I did talk to were the the people who work in the leasing office and the like the patrolmen of the leasing office. They're the ones because the, once the leasing office closes, we have this company called Anlance Patrol. It's just like a independent security contractor thing. They come and they you know basically watch the area, my apartment complex and some others. They are the ones who are receiving these sightings. Because apparently people are seeing these late at night and straight up calling Anlance, which is, you know, if we have emergencies for the apartment complex, they tell us to call 911 or Anlance, basically. And they're reporting it right to them, at least two of the people I talked to. So, no, I've never gone to an actual cop or anything I, like that. Well, okay, okay. That, okay, close enough. That's a proxy, essentially. Because, um, again, you, you have to ask them, be like, what is this typically being? Because they have to keep this stuff all on file. Yes. So you should probably ask, like, what are the times for this thing? And again, I don't know, like, again, uh, you're, you're bored. Go set up a camera outside one day. Just not outside, but like, um, like a, a, I don't know if you have a tree or anything. Just see, just see what happens. So uh, I, I will say that I have, I have regaled this story for uh, some friends in Pennsylvania. They happen to be coming to visit me later in July. And they absolutely want to go out and search for it. They have <laughs> yeah. said to me they want to go out and search for the Skinwalker late at night. So we'll see if that happens. <laughs> well, we're never going to see Rob again. So what's our last episode? So we've never, there might not ever be a part two to this story. <laughs> Josh, yeah. you're not invited back on. We know why. The Skinwalker got Rob. If you don't hear from me, I'm dead. Skinwalker got me. And well, if you do hear from me, you have to ask the question, am I now the Skinwalker also? Well, we'll have to see how you bend your arm properly. Oh, my God. The amount, the, uh, the amount of SJWs that are going to go after you for, uh, you know, the, the Skinwalker thing. They, the, the Skinwalker has rights, and maybe, <laughs> maybe it doesn't identify as a Skinwalker. Maybe it identifies as a refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see how they take to it. Any All other right. Any other questions about the Skinwalker? No, no. For now, okay. no. I can, you can only handle so much Skinwalker talk in one Yeah, Zach has to let it process, you know. <laughs> like I said, it comes across as a great segment on Mysteries in uh, Monsters in America. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. All right, so Josh, on this program, 
we talk about things that we do during our cinematis. Our first one being, what kind of snack do we eat during it? And then number two, is it a cinematic and or a late night movie? Rob, what snack would you eat during these segments? I think I'm going to take, uh, you eat any Cadbury egg or Cadbury product. So, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be shaped like a bunny or an egg. Uh, but uh, you get one with gold foil and eat God it with the gold it, foil on it. <laughs> <laughs> so you just get, well, well I, should, I, should, I should qualify my statement. If you can actually get gold foil from Katie, <laughs> eat that. Put that oh, on your God. egg. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say. Uh, I mean, what else we got? Noah's Ark? Is it wood? <laughs> you like a wood? Did they, did they eat anything on their camping trip for Allagash, or did they just get abducted and not be able to eat food? They went the fishing, and I don't think they got very far. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's right. And General Wayne's Inn, um, I don't know. They didn't really focus on nothing ghostly happened with the food or the dishes. Probably that they like peanuts at the bar. Yes. Bar, bar Someone's peanuts. blowing on my bar peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> the jar of peanuts just disappears all of a sudden just sitting there just disappears and dissipates the ghost ate my peanut <laughs> well i was gonna say rob until rob took it i was gonna say you get like uh like a oh god like the chocolate coins and the gold foil but instead uh, of eating the chocolate on um, the chocolate coin you just eat the foil and you throw the candy away uh. <laughs> then you can be like the crazy woman that then you gotta hope for the fact that you sweated eventually yeah maybe that's how you sweat gold you eat enough gold or you can be like the, the interns from the Unsolved Mysteries episode and just buy it from the craft store. You think I anyone would get that cosplay if I showed up at like a convention with a bunch of gold foil <laughs> on me? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Josh, you, you're the head now of the Unsolved Mysteries fan group. We got to do a convention. Is there a Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries a convention anytime soon? Man, that would be so awesome. Like, we, it, it, it honestly has gotten to the point where I feel like I'm just like friends with all you guys now. And, and like, I legitimately wish everyone just lived here in Jacksonville with me so we could, I could just have this huge friend network, you know, cause, um, I don't know. It's like, I guess the people who like unsolved mysteries tend to be cool ass people. <laughs> I, we've had like maybe two people we had to kick out of the group um for being an asshole but besides that everyone's been like super cool and it would be great to do some kind of thing like that but who knows i, I don't know I'm hoping that we'll get invited to some crime convention or something oh yeah so they'll pay for our airfare and shit because i don't you know i don't have the money for that i think you the convention in jacksonville that would be fantastic because i am terrified of flying there you go. And we'll, 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 you can like, uh, we'll figure out a clever way to get Mike in there. We'll, we'll figure that out. Unsolved Mysteries. Is it a cinemati or and or a late night movie? Uh, I want to start with late night movie. A hundred percent. This is such a late night, late night media for me. Uh, I don't even think I mentioned it in our recording previously. I actually have already used these as late night movies. I've already had someone come back to my apartment late at night. We were just completely smashed and it was like, what do we want to watch? Let's throw on some UFO stories. And we had a, a good laugh, I think, on the Men in Black episode. Um, so I think 100% what the segments that we talked about, you better believe I'm going to show someone, someone Allagash the next chance I get after midnight. I think that is a great late night piece of media because of everything we discussed for it. Powers of Miss Katie, too. If I get someone who I, who I know is going to like laugh at that as much as I am, that's going to be a great one 
to you know throw on late at night for something you're not going to remember. So I, I would say absolutely, uh, Unsolved Mysteries, even as a whole, is a late night thing, late night movie, late night TV show. As far as cinemodities, I don't know. Uh, nothing really is strange about it to me. It was like you know. John and Terry sat down and said, we have stories that should be told and we're going to tell them in this, in this certain way. You know, there's nothing, I think, strange about the production. The only thing that would make it odd in any respect is the material that they focus on. And I don't know if that's enough to grant it cinemodity status. I'm going to say yes to both. Obviously, for the reasons like Rob said, you, this is a, a show that has a little bit of everything for everyone. But I'm going to say a more definitive hard yes for Cinemati because, okay. like I described, I think this one thing that makes a Cinemati a Cinemati a cinematic oddity for anybody uh, in Realville, it's that you need it's, it's just such a unique show. Like how we just, how I think I said it is that you cannot, this is an imitable show. You cannot duplicate this. It's mm-hmm. such a unique thing. Like how I described between uh, the blowjob, decapitated headman, <laughs> the, the Hessian soldier, and General Wayne. Um, the very like the, the interns putting the gold foil on their tongue, Allagash, like you, it, it's such like you'd be it'd be impossible to duplicate this. Yes, and in the sense like this is where this is an oddity in that you really you could not ever do this again okay. in such an effective way. Okay, that's a fair um, point. Yeah, I like I like that explanation. So, and, that, and I think that's what it comes down to is I really like I again I know that's always the fun thing like oh who would ever like as if everybody thinks that like like if you got a host very similar to Robert Stack you could just duplicate the show it's like I think hiring an actor with a unique voice and like stage presence is probably the easiest part of this yes and I think there's so many great I know like um on Josh's podcast Mike's always suggesting um oh my God uh, Peter, Peter Weller. Weller. Yeah. yeah, Peter Weller. Oh, and I okay. think P- Peter Weller has the voice, but he doesn't. Like, he's too intimidating looking. Uh, I don't think that works. Like like Robert Stack, not to say that he was a scrawny man, but he doesn't mm-hmm. come across like he's spooky. Yeah, he's not like overbearing. He's not aggressive looking. Yeah, um, Peter. Yeah, like, he, yeah, uh, Peter he's slender. Yeah, yeah. Peter Weller has a hard face. Mm-hmm. Now I think like it's somehow like you could take Peter Weller's like voice and put it to somebody else i would get that but i think there's also something very like um hypnotic about robert stack's voice that i don't think peter weller could do i I can't i don't know Mm -hmm. but like i like my suggestion like every time mike and josh bring this up i'm always like screaming into the podcast i realize oh wait they can't hear me um i don't think this is ideal (laughs) but who i would love i would love mel gibson because i think mel gibson is just that like i would watch that like Mel Gibson's just crazy enough. Plus, he has like that, like he has like a rich voice, and like I can very well believe him. I like, like, I don't know, picture him believing most of the stuff he talks about. <laughs> like I don't know, Josh. What do you think? Like, would Mel, like you know Mel Gibson, like you have a good idea of what Mel Gibson is now. Like yeah. would that be plausible to you? It'd be weird if they did any segments on Jews. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, three slam dunks in a row by Josh. <laughs> I just, you know, I just wouldn't be able to, does he really care? I can't really, like, separate the controversy from the person anymore. But he'd be creepy as hell, though. I uh, I really like um, Keith Morris or whatever from uh, 48 Hours. That old, like, white guy. He's, like, 90 years old. And, and he has the most wrinkled face I've ever seen on anybody, ever. But he's got the voice. He's got the voice, and he he embraces the creep factor. I, I think he would be a great uh, stand-in 
uh, Keith Morris might not. It's it's either Morris or Morrison, but it's but uh, no, he's he was he's always been my pick. Right, Rob, oh do you have a suggestion for this? God, he Keith Morrison is a scary looking dude. I just okay. Google imaged him. Yeah, he's you were not kidding about that wrinkle stuff, Josh. Oh my god. He he would be perfect in my opinion. If oh, you ever oh, see Oh I know him. Oh I I, I disagree. I, I disagree. I see because he was a... I was watching something with him a couple weeks ago. No, he's he's fine. I, I guess. I, I, Zach, we've been over this. You're not allowed to disagree with me. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. I, I, I know what you're getting. Okay. I get... I understand where... I don't agree with the decision, but I know where it's coming from. I, I get it now. All right, Rob. How should we conclude this episode? Because we're not allowed to use the Unsolved Mysteries theme in any sort of creative capacity. So how so, are we going to end this episode? So I was thinking about this. Since we have Josh here, how much trouble, it's not even trouble, how much attention would we get if we had a reversed, poor rendition of the Unsolved Mysteries theme? So I would certainly change it where it needs to be changed and then reversed. What do we think about that? Yeah, I don't know, man, because I did a cover of it that I thought was not an exact replica. And I still oh. got, yeah, I did. I, yes, yeah, that's the okay. thing. They were, they, they were saying that that we were ripping off their music while the music was actually a, a cover I, I wrote. In- okay, but, okay, well, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I think if you change the notes around enough, you'd probably be fine. Because, you know, a lot of shows have to do that. They're parroting yeah. a show. They have to do some knockoff version of the theme or whatever. Okay, I like it. What do you think, Zach? Whoever doesn't get a suit, I'll be happy with. Or cease and, des- cease and desist letter edited. <laughs> All right, let's see what it sounds like. <laughs>